Welcome to episode 16 of Sharing the Magic, a show dedicated to all things Disney. Join us as we explore this magical world. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual visitor, this podcast is for anyone who can use a little extra pixie dust. I am your host, Tara. During the month of August, we are celebrating the women of Imagineering, and we're so excited to talk with our special guest today. Before we introduce our guest, I want to say hello to the crew of Lost Boys and Girls. First, I'm going to start off with Matt, everyone's favorite Disney dad. How are you doing, Matt? Any new I'm plans? Doing- Sorry. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, we don't, unfortunately, it's very odd for us to not have a countdown going. Uh, our countdown is next summer, but my wife is definitely trying to sneak another trip in. So in a future episode, there may be a countdown. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're planning for your next Disney vacation. <laughs> so eventually. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, so our other hosts, Barry, Jeff, Annie, and Lindsay, they are on vacation this week and unfortunately will not be with us today. However, that being said, we do have two wonderful ladies here to help co-host our show today for Women of Imagineering. So I'm very excited to introduce both of them to you. First, let's give a warm welcome to the wonderful Nikki Hendricks of Favorite Grampy Travels. Hi, Nikki. Hey there. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Welcome. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you, and we just love having you on our show. So thank you for being here. Ditto. And awesome. And thanks. And uh, next we have um, Teresa Marie. She is actually my Disney partner in crime and my best bud, Teresa Marie. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. It's nice to have you. This is actually <laughs> this is actually <laughs> Teresa Marie and Nikki's first show with us. So it's going to be a very special show. And we're very happy to have both of you on. We're going to have a great day. Um, Our guest today is a well-known artist, puppeteer, and former Imagineer for the Walt Disney Company, where she helped create the magic for some of the world's most beloved Disney attractions at Disney parks throughout Florida, Paris, and Tokyo. Her career spans a multitude of artistic ventures, and she has worked on over 42 well-known films and television uh, shows. Her energy and her ongoing commitment to her craft inspires many fans, including myself. Sharing the Magic fam, please help us in welcoming the legendary Imagineer, Terry Harden. Terry, how are you doing? I am doing great. How is everybody tonight? We're doing great. we're just so excited to have you on our show you know like we've been counting down the days for this this means so much for us to have you on here and to have the opportunity to hang out with you and you know we've been waiting and looking forward for quite some time and it's so lovely yeah and we definitely have lots to talk about and so many questions and uh, I know there's going to be so many questions and so much to talk about that we'll probably need to have you on again for part two one day. Oh, but, goody. Um, yeah, because <laughs> we have so much and so little time. So, Terry, I'm going to start off by asking the first question. Can you please tell our listeners just where it all began? Like, how did you become a Disney Imagineer? Well, becoming a Disney Imagineer, becoming a Disney Imagineer is kind of down the line. So how did it all begin is I am 66 years old and I was born in 1957. Many of you probably don't even know how to even say that year, let alone think, wow, somebody's born in 1957. But the reality of it is, is that um, I was born mixed races. So my dad's black and my mother's white. And you can tell by my, you know, and, and my skin tone is very light skinned. I'm lighter than my mother. I look white except for my hairstyles most of the time. And many times um, my father was trying to keep me 
and my sister who looks more black, um, not prejudiced. He didn't want us to be prejudiced in a prejudice in a prejudiced world. So I can start by telling you if you if you and your listeners take a moment to remember when you were kids and maybe some of you still are young children, but you're at a park, a public park, and you're near a water fountain and you see all the other fathers pick up their children and because their children go, I'm thirsty, I can't reach. So you might remember how the father would pick their child up by the waist and the child would put their arms out to the side and airplane in to get that drink of water and everything. And it was just a wonderful experience. Well, I turned to my father and said, daddy, I'm thirsty. Come pick me up. And my father didn't move. And I didn't understand why he didn't move. And so he gestured for me to come to him. And he said to me, we can't, I can't do that for you. I can't. And I didn't understand why. And he said, let's go home and get a drink of water. Well, the reality of it is at that time when I'm about three, so the six, 1960, was that if my father had touched me or had lifted me because he's black and I look white, he could have been killed or arrested, my own father. So I knew right away things were different for me when I was with my father. Now, if I was with my mother, that was different. If my sister was with my mother, they thought my sister was adopted. So a lot of times when my sister and I stood together, people would say, which one of you is adopted? You know, and my dad had to help us to understand how do we deal with this at such a young age when we've been raised to just love people. And so, <laughs> so my dad just said, take everybody at face value. Remember that if you know what is your goal in life so what happens at this point is that my father would say you have to have tolerance and you have to have kindness so if somebody says something mean to you rather than just react kind of give yourself a couple minutes and then let's discuss it basically and this is a lot to talk to a kid when they're so young my first thing my mother said was don't pass and i'm like don't pass don't pass out don't what does don't pass mean i'm like five and what she meant was don't pretend to be white when i'm half black and she was so worried about this and i'm like five i don't even i barely know what the word means and i'm trying to figure out don't why would i pretend to be not of my dad who is my hero who helps me to understand life is good so um, I was a very precocious kid. If I was going to get into trouble, if you're parents, and it sounds like many of you are out there, that uh, I am the child you don't want to have. I was the fork in the light socket, the razor blade in the mouth, the wandering off when in a busy neighborhood and you can't find me. I I'm the oldest child. So my poor mother, 19 years old when she had me, a baby herself. Wow. And... One day, I can't remember what I did, but I did something that really freaked her out. And so she punished me and put me in my bedroom. We do this as parents. Back then there were spankings. Um, they don't do that now. Uh, but I I was crying, you know, this usual thing. Where, 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 when? You're the parent outside and you're hearing. Wah, 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 wah. And then all of a sudden it goes quiet. Wah. 
And as a parent, you have two feelings. Ah, <gasps> Matt is laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For two minutes, you like relax because your shoulder relaxed. And then you go, wait a minute, it's Terry. Something's so my wrong. mom carefully opens the door, praying that I'm asleep and the window is open in Los Angeles, California. And I'm gone. I'm two. I'm gone. Oh. I'm gone. Wow. My mother goes, oh, 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 oh. my dad's at work. She, mm -hmm. It's 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 not like it is today where, I mean, it was dangerous, but uh, my mom runs along the neighborhood. She's looking left. She's looking right. Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? She's asking neighbors. Nobody has seen me. And she comes to a construction site. She leans up against the pole. Her eyes go up and there's her daughter on the second level of the construction site about to take a swine swan dive off. She gets ready to say, Terry, what are you doing? When she holds her hands over her mouth and thinks better of it because she doesn't want to frighten me. So she grabs a foreman. She He radios up and they catch me just before I go over. This is what makes me the perfect Imagineer. You didn't think I was getting to your question, did you? Um, <laughs> I've forgotten about the question. I was yeah. so good in your story. This is amazing. Right. The fact of the matter is that this crazy, precocious child was into right. everything. And when my mother became pregnant with my sister three years later, she locked herself in the bathroom <laughs> and cried. Not another no. one. <laughs> Not another one. Lord, not another one. I can't. I mean, now she's 22 wow. and she's got, you know, two. Oh, dear Lord. What are you trying to do to me with this child? June baby, very creative. But one day my dad came home and my mother is a brilliant watercolor artist. And he noticed that for all the trouble I got into, I sat quietly still and watched her paint. So my father says, huh, I wonder if we give this girl paper if she'll stay in one place. So they take stock out in paper. My dad brings it home from where he works. And as long as I had paper, I would draw. If paper ran out, I took the next available surface. So my grandmother and my mother's side, my mother was terrified because everything about her home was white. White couch, white carpet, white walls. And my mother went, oh, oh. We got to pack the trunk with paper because Terry doesn't understand those walls are off limits with my grandmother. They're blank yeah. canvases. Yeah. 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 And my, my grandmother said, this child is too energetic. She needs to be sedated. And my father said, don't touch my child. Okay. Don't touch my creative kid. So this is the way I was through art and expression. I thought everybody was like this. I painted, I sculpted, I drew, I drew, I painted, I sculpted, I did all this stuff. And doors of opportunity would open for me. And I always went through them, thinking that everybody goes through a door. The door opens, there is no fear. You just step through it, worry about it after. So now this is what I say to people. I realize later in life that people have these little fears that I just don't have to have. I have fears, but I just ignore my fears. So. Whenever that voice says, why you, I usually say, because I'm very unique. I'm a unicorn. And there are many people out there who are unicorns. And it's difficult being a unicorn because, um, first of all, if you say you're a unicorn, you're unique, you're different. They go, oh, narcissistic, much? 
And you say to yourself, in this case, if you're not going to be a little narcissistic about yourself, who you are, then who is going to do it for you? So this is what I learned from my from my father. My father said, sure, I was called the N-word. Sure, I had all this persecution. Of course I did. I was born in 1933, my father. So my father said, but I learned from my father that you decide what is going to offend you because poison isn't effective unless you take it. Mm. This is huge. This is so yeah. huge. Not always easy to go by, but if you keep saying it to yourself and realizing it, it's up to you. So my dad said, you think about your goal and you play a part. And sometimes you play a part and sometimes you don't play that part, depending on what your goal is. It doesn't mean that you are that thing. It just means that to get to from A to Z, you may have to play a part. So I started to go, all right, okay. My grandfather said, play for a living. So now I'm an artist. I'm eight years old. I'm sitting around the table decorating Easter eggs, but everybody's dipping them in one color. I'm dipping them in two, pulling them out and hand drawing faces and making little people out of them. And my mother turns out, turns and says, what the? Everybody looks at it like, oh my, what, oh my God, what is she? So my mother takes them to her work. At the time, she was a, a secretary type of person, I guess working at Rathman's as a fabric person or something. And she just set them on the desk and she sold them for 20 bucks a piece. And at eight years old, I made over $400. Wow. That's incredible. So eight years old. <laughs> it's not saying, look at me, how great I am. It's yeah. when you've got the right voice in your head, mm -hmm. you move forward. And I had this and thought everybody had this. Then later I learned that I'm running into people who are so full of talent and ability and beauty, but they're in their own way. They're, they, they can't move forward because something somewhere has said, has says, has said something snarky, like what that, what's that supposed to be? Oh, <laughs> don't quit your day job. <laughs> oh, is that your shower song voice? You yeah. know, I mean, come on. And sometimes they say it nicely. Oh, is that your shower singing voice? It's really cool. You know what I mean? All of this stuff is a way to stab at you and you got to identify it. And then you got to say, I, you know, you got to really try to tune those people out because you got to find out where it's coming from. Sometimes it can be from your parents, your spouse, your kids, your friends. And personally, if it's your friends, you need to get new friends. Seriously, if someone is going to snark at you all the time, then why abuse yourself that way? So I was eight years old. My parents wanted to take me to Disneyland. I won't tell you about when I was four and beat up poor Captain Hook. We'll save that for another time. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> my mother decided it would be nice to take pictures with the bad guy. Oh, some parents. But anyway, um, we would synchronize our watches because it was expensive to go to Disneyland. Yes, even then. And my father would save up because he knew it was my favorite place. And I would spend my day on the Jungle Cruise. Oh, I love that ride. I, I spent my day there. My parents, my parents would go, well, where are you going to be at lunch? And I would go, same place I always am, mom. And at the time, the cast member was fascinated because I would sit in the corner, sketch, and then if there weren't enough people, he would let me ride around again. Aww, so I was nice. sketching these animals, sketching these animals, sketching these animals. And oh. the cast member said to me, you know, there's a man who actually made these animals. And I said, what? 
He goes, yes, it's a group of people that Walt Disney um, has, his special group of people, and they're called Imagineers. And I'm like, what? And the one who did these animals and did these figures, his name is Blaine Gibson. Well, back in my day, there was no internet. There was no Google. There was no computers. There were newspapers and the telephone. That's it, guys. A lot of nice privacy. I actually kind of miss it. But none of that, right? None of that. We had to really do our homework in a big way. So I scoured newspapers and I tried to watch Wonderful World of Disney and get a glimpse of Blaine Gibson. And one day I did. And one day I realized what Imagineers were and learned about them and said, one of my missions is going to be to, I want to be an artist for a living because I'm going to make a terrible office worker. I don't have the intention span and I'm never going to work for a living. I'm going to play for a living because my grandfather who toured all over the United States and had the first wild animal park in California, he told me that that was the way that you should be, that you should work at playing for a living. If the man who plays for a living is a wise man. So that was my mission and that was my goal. And I made costumes for people starting at 10 years old. I would sculpt, I would create puppets, I would design costumes, and then I would just keep making, making, making and performing all the way up. At the time it was a hobby until Star Wars. And then I sat in a chair one day, watched Star Wars, the room stretched like in Jaws. And I realized that there was a career for me out there that I could actually make a career out of all of these abilities that I had. And I was off and running. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I hear you're a big Star Wars fan too. Huge. Huge. (laughs) My husband says, just get her on people about the first three. (laughs) And she's going to go right. One, two, and three. (laughs) Once I saw that. Yeah. I'm like five, six. But now I realize that there are people out there that, that was the first films they saw. Yeah. Like four, five, and six were the first ones that I saw. Yeah. And, uh, Star Wars fan too. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was life changing because again, I saw Star Wars 183 times. Oh my God. And I was in Skywalking, the book about George Lucas. I was going to say that. I, I heard, read about that. So That's happy to be in this book. What an honor to be in this book. Right. Wow. But it almost kept me from doing what I wanted to do because people thought I was a fan. And they would say, are you serious or are you a fan? And I would say, I'm both. I just happen to love very much. And I just, I didn't let it stop me. And uh, and I, I've, I, that's why I sent you that dossier that my fan did of me, because I don't even believe it. There are so many things in there that it's hard for me to believe. I can't go through it. There's so many things that I, because anytime a door opened, I went through it and said, this looks cool. <laughs> Let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try that. Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, so I think um Nikki has a really interesting question. Nikki, what do you have to say to Miss Hart? Yeah, I read about um you worked on the Dragon's Lair at Disneyland mm-hmm. Paris. Um, and I actually went there when I was in high school, and now it's one of my favorite places at the park. I thought it was so cool because I'm used to Walt Disney World. And that was not at Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, what? There's the dragon? What? 
Yeah, when I saw that you worked on that, um, that really stuck out to me. And I wanted to ask you about that. If any part of that project stuck out to you, I read, I think you were the lead Imagineer on that. Um, yeah. And at the time, there weren't very many women Imagineers that yeah. were leading projects. So just wanted to get your take on, on that experience. Well, there she is, my girl, right there. Uh, That's my baby. Oh my and uh, and uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, Imagineering decides that I finally, I've tried everything to get into Imagineering over Imagineering for years, okay? And I have enough rejection letters to wallpaper the planet Earth. But I just kept thinking, I'm not figuring out the proper formula. I know they need me. They just don't know they need me. Right. At the time, my mother was working at Imagineering as a word processor, someone who actually put things into a computer before computers became personal computers. Yeah, I told you I was old. So the situation is this. My mom says, I'm going to give you this blue card. I'm going to staple it to your application and they will bring you in. Never happened. Never happened. They just kept looking over me, looking over me, looking over me. And I kept thinking, I don't know what's going on with these people, but there's got to be a way that I can let them know that I'm out here. They're just, they're reading it. Maybe I'm not writing it properly but they need me. I'm looking at what they're doing. It's exactly what I know how to do. They need me. So I finally go, eh, time to put this on the back burner, leave this alone. And I worked at a place called Shaftons. It's the place that makes your Charlie Tunas, your McGruff the Crime Dogs, your, your Smokey the Bear, your characters for Universal, most of the characters like that. I think there were I'm trying to remember. I know that there were the um, American tail characters that I built oh, and I sculpted all these different heads for all these different characters, including if you're a skier, there's an elephant that skis Mammoth Mountain. And I did the head for that. I still they still use the pattern today of the head that I sculpted for the ma the person who becomes that mammoth elephant, the woolly mammoth elephant. Yeah. Wow. So I'm there waking, making a water drop for water and power. I'm sculpting this water drop. And a friend of mine walks in. Now where, now Disney, you may or may not realize has little satellites, or at least they did. They don't have as many now, but they have little satellite buildings all over Southern California. So you had the famous 1401 that was Imagineering. And then across from that at the time was the animation building. Now, of course, on, on Buena Vista, where you see the sorcerer hat is the new animation building, but it wasn't always there. Walt Disney Pictures, of course, which has always been where it is today, only more spiffy. Mm -hmm. And then there was Disney Channel. There was also Disney um, Disney Parades, which was near the Burbank Airport. There was Disney um, in the, near. There was the Disney Tahunga Building. Disney Tahunga Building was a building in which we made they Imagineers made full size rides. And then crew people would push Imagineers through the attraction to get a feel of what the attraction was going to be, depending on where it was going to be located. So that was known as kind of a theatrical building. And at in front of that building, in front of the gates that kept you from going into that building was Shaftons. So you had Shaftons on one side, you had Rhythm and Hughes on another side, you had all of these, these builders paralleling this and so one day a guy walks in and he sees me and he says, Terry, in here. And I'm like, hey, you know, and he says, I said, I'm building a water drop. And he says, he says, you're building a water drop. But what are you doing here? I said, I'm waiting for Disney to get a clue. 
And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, I've tried everything. I've tried everything to get through. And he says, well, they're looking for people. They're looking for people just like you. Let me just put your name in. Well, this is what happened. So I tell people all these years knocking on the front door when I should have come in the back. Because the yeah. next day I'm taken into the Tahunga building, I open up my portfolio and all the person says over and over, it's a family show. So we'll say, holy S. Uh, and he kept flipping going, holy, what? Oh my, oh my, what? Oh, what? Eh. And And just couldn't believe it. He kept flipping through and going, I'm blown away by this stuff. Um, you see the mermaid tail on my shoulder. I built that in 1980. Oh. Um, sculpted it, created it, swam in it, and did four or five commercials in it. So oh, it should be dead. Oh, cool. And for some reason, my mermaid tail still exists. So yay for her. But I would build these things, create these things, do these things. And they were all in my portfolio. All the processes, all the how-tos, everything. And so the guy is like, where have you been? And that's when I said, I've been knocking at the front door. I should have knocked at the back. So now comes this audition process that takes three flipping months. Seriously? So now you want this job, but you don't want to take another job that's going to make you a jerk because you're going to zip as soon as they give you the call. You're gone. So you're trying very hard to find something that will buy you time while you're waiting to get this because you know you're going to get the call but disney was on disney time and i mean good grief i hope they didn't have any kind of a deadline because they took four flipping ever to make a decision nine interviews three months and i'm like you got to be kidding me how do they get anything done in this company because i had worked for the film industry one of my top films is ghostbusters but i also was a builder and as a builder, you would say to them, when does this need to be done? And in the movie industry, they say, oh, about a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so Disney would go, we got to hurry. It's got to be done. How long? Nine months. What? Nine <laughs> months? What do I got to do? What am I going on vacation? What? Nine months? You know, so it was a really strange um, experience. So they're taking their time. Well, finally, I've had enough. And I get a call from Dolly Parton. True story. Dolly Parton's company calls me and says, Terry, we need a puppeteer and we need you for the Dolly Parton Christmas special. Now, I know things shut down around Christmas, so I jump on it. I go, yes, this will give me a good salary for two weeks <laughs> performing for Dolly Parton in Dolly Parton's Christmas special, and I won't miss out on Disney. Well, the minute I hang up with Dolly, agree to do the work with Dolly, Disney calls and says one more interview. And they put it right in the middle of my Dolly part. And I said, sorry, I can't do it. And they say, sorry, you're out of the running. And I lose it. I want you to know, I absolutely went ape all over this part person. I bet. Like Leon and ape. I said, you guys are full of baloney. You live in fantasy land. You're absolutely delusional. I don't know how you get anything done. What is the matter with you people? And if that's the way you run your business, I want to work for you. And I slammed the phone down. Two days later, I was hired. <laughs> I love it. I love that story so much. Think of them, well, I should have gotten mad at you a lot earlier then. Yeah. For <laughs> real. Oh, my goodness. So to get to the dragon's lair, I do 
big thunder, Paris. Paris is the big thing when we're there. They need to get Paris done. They need to get Paris done yesterday. Nine months we have. And they give us big thunder. Now, the thing that makes big thunder so special in Paris, what makes it the best is that you board it on the mainland, you go underneath the water and you come up on an island. If you haven't been there, you got to go there. Paris is one of the most beautiful parks that Disney has created. It's not the only beautiful park, but it's de I, I, I am a little biased. So I had to work with a person that wasn't very kind to me when we were working on Big Thunder. And so we had some words and we finally came to an agreement. But I remember telling my supervisor after four days of being an Imagineer, I did not think it was worth being abused as I felt I was being abused. And I was on my way to talk to my supervisor and say, I don't need this job when Herbie Ryman stopped me. Now, Herbie Ryman, as you all know him, you all know him as a magical, he was my cowardly lion. And he used to come over and watch me sculpt because I would tell stories like I'm telling you. He would tell me stories I would share story for story. So he saw that I was furious. He sat me down and he said, you need to take a breath, have some water and listen to me. You are a very passionate person and Disney needs you. Are you going to desert Disney when they need you? And I was like, oh, Herbie. And he was like, it's a fair question, kid. And I was like, but this guy sucks. And he's like, one guy, are you going to let one guy keep you from something that you've worked so hard for? Especially when Walt needs you, needs someone who's passionate, needs someone who believes in Walt, who grew up with Walt, who, who was inspired by Walt and all the Imagineers that created the park that you love so very much. Are you really going to turn your back on him after four days? And I was like, oh, you want me to stay? He says, no, but I think you should. I'm like, ah, all right. So I meet with my supervisor and I say, hey, what's up with this guy? And they go, well, no one gets along with him. We thought you could because you're gregarious and you're fun. And you're, I said, but you didn't tell me this guy was a jerk. You just put me in with the jerk. <laughs> So without giving you all the details, I say to the supervisor, I get to pick the next thing and I pick Dragon's Lair. But here's the thing, Nikki, you're going to be surprised about. They decided that that Dragon's Lair for Paris, wait for it, guys, was going to be a stone. Just stone. Just a sculpted stone dragon. But not alive? Not alive. But that's what sculpted. makes it like, stone. so special. Dragon. You know. Let me say that again. Sculpted? Ah. Stone dragon. And I'm looking at them like, what? Yeah. And my supervisor says, that's what's on the, the dossier. And I'm like, uh-uh. No, -uh, it's not. This this is a mistake. I mean, do, do, do you think we're universal? Do you think we're Magic Mountain? What's the matter with you people? We're Disney. Why would we have a stone? What? What? So my supervisor said, you're preaching to the choir here, girl. You got to talk to Tony Baxter. Where is this Tony Baxter? He's the <laughs> senior VP of Imagineering. Well, where is he? I'll go see him. You don't just go see Terry. You don't just go see Tony Baxter. Well, get over here. Listen, you don't just get the senior VP over here. I said, listen, 
this is a really important thing. What do I have to do to get that fool here? And he's like, why am I the keeper of this crazy person that is in front of me? Hold on, Terry. You were there for only a couple weeks at this time? At the time, I had done uh, Big Thunder. It took us. We sculpted all of Big Thunder. Mm -hmm. We fought over it. We calmed down. We became friends after I stood up for myself as Mm -hmm. a woman. And I'm not going to tell you some of the horrible things that some men said to me there, Mm. like that time of the month. Oh, Mm. boy. Hi, honey. Is it that time of the month? And I remember peeling off the tablecloth with my fingernails just to keep from jumping on him like a tigress because that's frowned upon at Disney. But boy, I sure wanted to. So I calmed myself down and waited for my supervisor to say what I'd really like the two of you to do, person A, male chauvinistic pig, and B, woman, see, I told you, sometimes it just comes out, um, (laughs) is to handle this yourselves. Oh, I heard angels. I put my hands together very quietly and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And then I grabbed him by the shirt, slammed him up against the wall and said, I carve what I carve, you carve what you carve and stay the heck away from me. If you ever think you're going to be carving stuff that I block, think again, buddy. And if you ever try to say you are the boss of me in front of the higher ups, if you don't want to explain while we're wrestling in the middle of the floor of Imagineering, you better think twice. Clear? (laughs) Standing ovation. (laughs) But this is movie. In the film industry, a woman is not the majority. She Mm -hmm. is the minority. So now you decide as a woman, remember what my father said, what is your goal? My goal was to work in the film industry, which meant if a guy used a crane to look down my top, do I get angry and file a claim? I go, seriously, you must be hard up, dude. <laughs> you might have asked me. Maybe I would have shown you, but since you're going to steal it. That's awesome. That is. Decide whether you are a cute little shop bunny and wear sexy clothes and be the cute little thing that walked around. Some women chose this. Nothing against them. But I wanted to show it. I was a mudslinger. I was a wrath and plaster girl. I'm not the figure finishing type. I work with cranes. I carve 40 foot things. I do all of this crazy stuff. And so I use a chainsaw. So it's like sometimes two. Um, But the point is, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a I'm a super tomboy. So I just made the decision, what is my goal? My goal is, if you say little lady to me, rather than give you trouble, let me show you what the little lady can do. You know, watch me carve Mrs. Godzilla in two weeks with a chainsaw. What do you think, guys? Simple, huh? (laughs) Whoa, right? Do you have a chainsaw? By the way, I shouldn't assume. But the point is that, that if you show people what I mean, I don't think a woman should be afraid to show what she's got. I don't think complaining and whining is as good as showing them. Let me just show you why I, I'm as good, but more important, better than this fool. All right. And friendlier too. Well, usually. But the point is, 
here we are. We do this big thunder thing. We end up sculpting an amazing big thunder. And then Michael Eisner decides to take away from our budget. He wants to create Hollywood pictures and there's no money for it. So he reaches into the park budget and pulls out $2 million. And our boss comes and says, you got to lose something off of Big Thunder. And I love what this male chauvinist had done. And he loved what I had done. And we started to argue about which one should be lost. But I was arguing for his and he was arguing for mine. And one day he came in at five o'clock in the morning and just cut his away because he felt so strongly that my art should remain. And it was heartbreaking. So we became friends after having this, this battle because a bully's gonna, some, a person is gonna push on you as long as you allow it to be pushed. And sometimes when you stand up for yourself, magical things can happen. I'm not gonna say always, but a lot of times it did. So he asked me to do the main um, so now maybe eight months has gone by, maybe a year, don't remember. All I remember is that I told him I was moving on to Dragon Slayer. And he said, but it's a snow and dragon. I said, not for long. And that's when my supervisor said, can you, as you guys have now learned, I talk a lot. So he said, can you keep your conversation down to 20 minutes? If I get Tony Baxter here to see your presentation, can you keep it to 20 minutes? And I was like, hmm, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, whew, that's a short time. I'll do it though. I'll do it. I got my presentation ready. Uh, most people knew I was a dragon freak because I had dragons. I had illustrated dragons all over my smock that I wore. So I had a roaring dragon on the back. I had dragons on my sleeves. I had dragons all over my cubicle. I'm, I was really the person to do this, um, even if you didn't know me. So I had this presentation, I had the sketch, I had this plan for this animated dragon. And in walks Tony Baxter. I know because there were about 14 people with him. And I thought to myself, hmm, someone pulls out a chair, he sat. And then he looked at me and all the people around him, Court Santa, stared at me. And I looked like a runner, a sprinter. Okay, so I was in sprint position. Just think of the Olympics. I'm in sprint position looking right at Tony Baxter. And my body is wiggling, okay? Kind of like those chihuahuas that are eager to attack, but we're not going to do it yet. So get that chihuahua in your mind, because here I am, wagging my tail, getting ready. And then I say, are you Tony Baxter? He looks at me very quizzically because, you know, who is this wiggly fruitcake in front of him with uh, hair that sticks all over? I didn't have dreadlocks at the time. I had hair that poked out <laughs> everywhere. And he said, uh, are you Terry Harden? I said, yes. And he said, okay. And he just stared at me and I said, say go. And he says, what? And I said, say go. And he says, uh, go. And I said, okay, here it is. I want the dragon to be animated. Why? Because we're not Magic Mountain. We're not Universal. We're Disney. And Disney does animated things. We don't do stone things. I don't even know how the stone thing got on here, but here's what happens. The dragon will roar. And I think the head is low, the head is high. And he goes, wait, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, dude, Time. We have 20 minutes. Oh. Yeah, you're, <laughs> here. You're, you're cramming my style. And he's like, what? And he says, wait a minute. What are you saying? And I said, I was told I only had 20 minutes of your time. And it's very important that you get this. And he says, if I give you more time, will you slow down and walk me through it? And so I did. I walked him through every aspect of how the cavern would look, how the dragon would be 
why I chose certain things with a dragon. The tail goes like this because a cat will do this when comfortable. The If you watch the dragon while sleeping, the paw does this because if you've ever seen a dog dream, the paw does this. The breathing, every part of it was very special. And her head is lower than your feet so that when she rises up to, to roar at you, your body has to go back and look up at her. All of this I explained. In fascination, I'm happy to say, Tony at the end said, okay, I'll let, I will, I will grant we need an animated dragon. I will, I can see you're right. We need an animated dragon on one condition. Well, two. And I said, what? And he said, you design the ride. I had never designed a ride in my life. Matt and everyone listening, Nikki, the door. Open. Did you run? I ran through it. I had no <laughs> idea. I never designed a ride in my life. Never in my life. My goodness. I had barely sculpted props for movies. But I knew I could do it. I just knew I, if I went through, I'd figure it out after. And Ignored that fear that you're talking run about. Run through and, and figure it out after. What an opportunity. I was like, yes. you know, and I ran through it. And the second thing he wanted was a photo spot for people to pose with the dragon in the background. And so I designed that as well. And just recently they opened it. It's always been changed off, chained off. And they opened it. And I think people probably stand there and go, what is this now? But if you sit your family just right, there's a window you can look through and see the dragon. If you time it for the dragon to roar, you can click the picture right when the head is in the frame. So all of this is what I, I figured out and created. And they gave it to me. Now, here's the thing. When um, Tony's underlings came to see me, the other show producers, they said, no woman can do this. Can't send a woman to Paris. I mean, that's what they said. And I said, <laughs> really? And they said, Terry, we can't send you there because, you know, Italians have a different attitude about women and French have a different attitude about women. And, and we can't, basically what they were saying is they needed the shortest distance between two points. And I got it. I understood it. I was like, they would listen to me, but they were like, we don't want to take this chance. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pick the man who carries out my design. Cause I did a whole, the whole design, you did it in miniature. And then instead of using the tools they have now to put it into a computer, you sliced it mm -hmm. and traced it onto paper. And then the rebar people made it. So I picked my good friend, Matt McKim, and he went to Paris to work on it. And he stood and he did everything exactly like my work. Now in the middle, they didn't want one woman designing the whole attraction. So they brought in a man and that man was Brian Jowers. Now, Brian Jowers, Brian Jowers is one of my favorite people, because if you look at his paintings, you can tell the time of day. The guy is so good. You go, wow, he painted that at four o'clock, didn't he? Just an amazing, amazing concept artist. So here he is at my booth and we're going to now design Dragon's Lair together. So we come up with this great idea. And I know you guys will get it. All of you out there will understand what I described to you. So you walk in. Now, the idea of the Dragon's Lair, for those of you who don't know, it's the hub. Like at Disneyland with Walt and Mickey, only it's undercover. It's under the mountain, under the castle. This is because sometimes Paris snows and it rains an awful lot. So it allowed people to have something fun inside. 
Well, okay. So we come up with the idea that no matter where you come in, you're going to see a story. And rather than do the chain link, which is there because eventually they said no, and I'll tell you why, we did a rib cage, okay? We did this bone rib cage. And if you went from one place, entered one area, you went from the tail, bony tail, to the rib cage, to the chest, where there was a sword sticking out of it. And then you went to the neck and then you saw the head. Okay, it's Sleeping Beauty's castle, yes? So guess what that skeleton was, right? Maleficent. Yep. Exactly, yeah. yep. exactly. So okay. you come the other way and when they saw it and we presented it, Brian Jowers and I are going, this is so good because people are gonna walk through and they're gonna see a secret. And, and Disney people love secrets. And so let's create a, an ultimate secret. And they looked at it and said they didn't get it. And we were like, what do you mean you don't get it? <laughs> and they go, we don't understand. Why is there a bony rib cage there? And why is there a sword in the bones? And we're like, seriously, you don't, you don't see it. You don't, are you looking at the head? You don't, you don't, have you watched Sleeping Beauty? And they didn't understand. Tony wasn't there, so he would have, but the other people didn't get it. And so they said, Terry, go back to the way you had it before. And they sent Brian back up to concept art. And we made it the way it is today because they didn't understand. And I remember both of us going, this is, this just can't, this just can't be, this can't be. But as you know, today, there's a lot of things that Disney is doing that many of you guys who are aficionados and you are, you're going, I don't under, I don't, I. Why Disney? Why, why do you make the decisions that you're doing? <laughs> yes. It that must have been, been really tough because that's your, your passion and what you were, your baby you're working on. Well, we really thought you hit, you hit the, you hit the, the bullseye. We thought this is going to make people same with, same with, um, Big Thunder, the reason I liked his work was because when you did your canoeing, there was this little little crack in the mountain because it's an island, right? And the cast member could say, that wasn't there before. I didn't notice that. Hey, what's this? Whatever line they say, let's go exploring. And then you could go in and we thought it would make it so you felt like you should hunker down, but you could really sit up. But that's what we, and you make your way in and then it opens up into the undersea sand caves. It was absolutely gorgeous, but we had to cut it away because one of the things had to be lost. And he was a lot, he was quicker than me. And it's too bad because I'm constantly as an Imagineer when I'm designing attractions, wanting that secret to be had. I want that because I know how much as a fan, I like it and how much fans like it, mm -hmm. you know, it's what it really is. What, sets Disney apart are those details. Yeah. Little those little and those who have Walt Disney World and don't understand what Disneyland represents is what I'm constantly fighting for as well. Disneyland was the only park Walt saw, Walt walked, Walt built. He died before World could be happening. Yes, he made got the land going and all of that, but he never got to see it be made. So when you come to Disneyland, don't just look at it like it's a postage stamp. Realize every brick, every railing, everything was touched by Walt until these 
Starbucks and these star tour thing, you know, and the some of the stuff that's in there now that you go, why do you keep changing it? And people will say, because Walt said there will ever be change, but Walt didn't plan on dying. And he also has five other parks. He can do all the changes he wants, but there are people in this world that want to see Disneyland as Walt built it. And they can, the way Disney is doing now, they can afford to leave Disneyland the way Walt saw it and upgrade it like Haunted Mansion. Okay, so I'm not saying leave it the same way. Haunted Mansion had trouble because they couldn't do the hat box ghost. They didn't have the technology. They couldn't do the bride. They didn't have the technology. Now the technology works. We have the bride, we have the ghost. So if they took each attraction and said, what did you really want to do, but didn't have the technology right. up now, you can upgrade these attractions the way you want and still keep it true to what Walt envisioned. Right. Plus it, plus it up, add the technology, those little magical things like, like they did with Thunder Mountain too, with the, the um, TNT going up the side as you're climbing up the mountain. Yeah. that's Yeah. Things that he chose to do that are now technology will allow him to do it as he saw them. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I, I keep saying you don't need to change nothing. Rumor has it that the Swiss family Robinson Treehouse is coming back. Please God, please. Because honestly, I, I really think that people want to show their children that which they fell in love with, you know, and I get agree. Your head out of your bottom and put the rocket ships back in the air. You doofuses. <laughs> what on earth made you make it a carnival ride? Oh, cause we can do more people. Yeah. And it's dull as dirt. There's millions of that. Now remember Disneyland is special. Disneyland is the unicorn, not the same as everybody else. And I think we got too many people in there trying to make it the same as everybody else. It's not what it's about. You know, it's not what it's about. It's a very special and magical place. And I think parents want to show their kids what they saw. But if you keep erasing a lot of the stuff that was there, this is a mistake. No, I agree with you on that. Teresa, you had a question about intellectual properties as well. Did you want to ask that for Um, Miss Harden? (laughs) Sure. Um, A lot of the... um, attractions that have been coming out recently are all of like their movies like do you think they're gonna have anything that comes out that's like a new idea you know like figment or big thunder mountain that you had or something like that good lord don't you wish they would (laughs) right Right? i mean seriously (laughs) if you're dying for it (laughs) if you're gonna do rise the resistance and you're gonna do that land that star wars land put it in california adventure that's what california adventure is for Right. You can put all that stuff over there. California Adventure wants you to put something there that makes you go there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Star Wars would have been the perfect thing. Why are you not? What is so difficult? And here's the big news flash. If you don't know, ask. There are hundreds of you out there. <laughs> People look at my art and go, man, you're really good. You know why? Because I ask. What would you people like to see me sculpt? And then guess what you all do? You answer me. It's so shocking (laughs) that it would be this easy. What do you want? We would like Stitch. And we would like Stitch not to be happy or angry. We want melancholy Stitch. So the very first sculpture I did for people to collect was was the one where he's holding the little book and looking up sadly. Now, there's there's no frame of that in the movie. But this is what my impression line does. It creates things that people want because guess what, guys? People love the entire film. 
They yeah. don't just love Stitch Happy and they don't just love Stitch Sad. They love the Stitch movie entirely. Mm-hmm. And just say to yourself, if you just ask them, you all are very happy to not only tell, but to help. Walt had an advisory committee. He had an advisory committee to help him figure what he should make for people to collect and what he should do for Imagineers. And he actually listened to y'all. All they, all they need to do is hop on Facebook and join one of those right? Disney groups and they'll get lots of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many people said don't put Star Wars in Disneyland? It's not the right place for it. You're losing very important real estate that could go to somewhere else, that could go to creative stuff. Not that Rise of the Resistance and, you know, Galaxy's Edge isn't creative, except for, I mean, let's talk about where we are, California (laughs) and Florida, and you make it a desert planet. (laughs) No trees, no life. It's hotter than heck. People go in, do what they want and get out because there's no place to sit, relax and not burn to death. What the heck? Really? I'm just, I don't know who is at the helm of this, but there's no reason to look like, just look so idiotic. And I don't want to be the person that complains all the time. I'll say to you right away, what happened to a a planet that has trees? You know, what about Dagobah? Yeah. You know, and how the planet yeah, what about Dagobah? But something that has trees. You know, something, you know, make it a wooden planet. I don't care what you do, just yeah. make it so people have shade because in Florida, especially, my goodness. It's oh, yes. craziness. It's and then hot. you're gonna put your cast members in not one, not two, but four layers of clothing. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Material is not the best either. <laughs> it doesn't break it. It boggles the mind. I don't understand. I mean, I seriously don't. And I'm sitting here saying you could have easily picked anything in Star Wars and then you put it in California Adventure Park. And let's talk Disney stuff here. So to answer your question, I would love for them to do more creative Disney stuff because they are a big dog. They're the big dog on campus. People love Disney in spite of what they're doing even now. But yeah. that's not going to last forever. Don't think it's going to last forever. You're going to get to a point where people are going to say, Uncle, I can't I can't take it anymore. I'll just get with my friends and we'll watch movies together and eat popcorn. But we can't go there. It's not our park anymore. And and I don't think they need to do that. I think they just need to ask you guys. It's such a simple thing. And it, and it hasn't been untried. I do it all the time. Whenever I we have a new sculpture, I ask people, you know, what would you like to see? Lately, it's the rabbit. Because they're all really angry that Bob Vera signed my rabbit. Oh, so my like, oh yeah. <laughs> We're on your side. <laughs> a famous Imagineer. A semi-famous Imagineer. So that's fine. He's a legend. Go for it. You know, I don't mind. I love Bob, you know. And as Bob says, he's about, he very soon will kick over the 100,000 mile mark in his life. So how much time does he have? So you want to sign that rabbit? I'm honored. I just wish you'd ask me to. So you have me, who designed it, by the way, and Bob. That would have been really special. I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it at all. But everybody is like, Terry, please make 
a little version of your rabbit so we can collect it. So I said, okay, just let me finish my chestnut and, uh, and I'll look into that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so intellectual property, I think you're worrying too much. I mean, we know that when Small World came out and you sailed through that it said Bank of America proudly presents, Walt Disney and Bank of America present. So it's not like we're a, we're have a aversion to a sponsor, but we don't have to put it up on front, on the front, you know, Starbucks. Come on, what happened to that lovely little marketplace with the stove and the checkers? You know, people want to show you what it was like, the party lines and things like that, that people, I mean, there are people out there that don't know what a rotary phone is. You my know? kids, my yeah. children. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? How do we use yeah. that? You know, yeah. I don't know if you saw The Amazing Race, but they had one where it was a typewriter and you had to find out how you type the one because there <laughs> is no one in the typewriter. Yeah. And people were like, I am a keyboard person. I don't under, and they had to figure it out. And it was, it was, it was just like, you know, it's coming around The the things we think are old are new for people again. Mm -hmm. Like many people, when they speak, they do a PowerPoint. I take a tablet, a giant tablet, and I draw, I write on it. I, more people pay attention to me than anybody else because PowerPoints are so boring. They're watching me. Is she writing on a tablet? I can't even read it. They don't even care. <laughs> 5,000 people and I'm writing on a, the thing, talking to them. They don't care. They're just fascinated that some nuts up there using a paper pad. So that which is old is new again. And so I think Disney, for so many people love the nostalgia, Disney, by doing what I think they should do, which is revert back to where Walt walked and show you what Walt saw, show you how Walt did it. I think would be an attraction for so many people who don't understand. It's 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 exciting to see that stuff because a lot of people don't know about that stuff. Matt, I know that you um, had some questions from Ms. Harden. I have a bunch, and I'm trying to I know. Which it's one hard to I know. Like, so, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to ask one just because you kind of just brought it up. So you're you're on this topic of change at Disneyland and Disney World, and then you brought up Splash Mountain. We know that you have a connection with Splash Mountain. Uh, you know, would you share your take on oh, you the bet. change that's happening with Splash Mountain? How dumb is this? Seriously, how dumb is this? <laughs> Zippity doo dah. Zippity a. Who said that was ever a racist song? I I don't understand. And believe me, I'm half black right here, right down the middle, guys. I don't understand how Zippity doo dah is a racist song. One of the best song of the South, one of the best acting jobs I've ever seen. And very, very, if you've ever seen this movie, which I don't, I question if some of these people who are calling it a racist film um, understand what's going on. Yes, the, the back in the day, black people were playing characters that are embarrassing. But at that time, they had the same attitude. This will get me to where I want to go. I'll play this character. It's not demeaning. At the time, it was what they could get. And there's nothing wrong with taking a low shift job to get into the actor job where you can start to make a difference. For me, this is this is something, and maybe they say, because my skin is white, but it never was treated as like skin is white. I mean, I was in Kansas and the woman told me black people can't have white skin. And I told her I took milk baths secretly. And so she had found my 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 Achilles heel. I was very sorry, but this, if, as long as I keep it up, I won't go the other color. <laughs> Baloney. 
But the point is Zippity Doodah is a joyful song that helps everybody. And if you watch Song of the South, Uncle Remus is someone who helps a white boy and a little trailer trash girl who is also white learn the value of being a human being and the joy they find they're in a very restricted area where they have to wear these outfits and they're dressed up like dolls and they have nannies and yet they go to the area where Uncle Remus is and the workers and they're all dancing and singing and enjoying life and he kind of sells to them doesn't matter who these people are you are enjoying life you will enjoy life wherever you find it and you defend that which you love no matter what it is i feel it's an incredible film and even if it was some of these films where you think they're they're very very racist and we know what movies they are but to eliminate them is the wrong thing to do because then they can be repeated so I look at it and one of my favorite movies is um, um, Inherit the Wind. It's with Spencer Tracy. And if you haven't seen it, you need to find it. You need to see it. And if you don't like black and white, suck it up and watch it anyway, because there are words that Spencer Tracy says that are very important. If you make it illegal to think and you make it illegal to read and you make it illegal, then you're burning books and you're going into people's lives and you're telling them how they have to live. And that's not, you are a human brain. God gave you a brain. Decide for yourself. If you don't like that there was slavery, then talk about why slavery is not good. Don't tear down statues. Mm -hmm. Don't get all freaked out over that because I hate to tell you, there were a lot of white, there were a lot of black folk that they had to use in order to get slaves over here. They were not white folk. White folk weren't allowed. So we all did something probably we shouldn't have done back then. But if we remember that it was wrong back then, we won't do it now. And I really feel strongly about this. I feel the same about genocide and Hitler. You cannot tell, you cannot pretend that this did not happen to the Jewish community. You must remember so you don't do it again because we have brains like sieves. I can't get over the sieves that we people don't read. And I don't understand why they don't read. The other day I wrote a handwritten thank you note to the people who celebrated my birthday and made me a special sushi dinner and they can't read cursive. Oh, they no. cannot read handwriting. Now let's talk about that. Yeah. Why do you think they took handwriting out? Now, I don't really know the answer, but handwriting is individual. Printing is not. So if you're going to make everyone print, what are you saying about what you want people to be the same? Yeah. And I say, no, you learn how to handwrite. If I have to make a book, if I have to go <laughs> back into the depths of my handwrite training and resurrect those books so you can learn cursive, you make it your point to learn cursive. <laughs> You want to be an individual. You don't want to be the same. You, How do you keep from someone stealing your signature if everybody prints? How do you protect yourself? It's it's nuts. I, 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 my husband says it's because I'm 66. You know, this was inevitable. When you're 66, you go, young people today. <laughs> no, I don't say that. I love young people. I start I just don't that. like I don't like people to be treated this way and yeah. not know they're being treated this way. 
this is the thing that's so frustrating. You see people like puppets and minor birds, you know, repeat, 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 and, and not understand what they're saying and not thinking for themselves. And it really breaks my heart because you really, 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 really need to. This entitlement that I've seen since the pandemic People changing lanes from the number one all the way across or stopping on the freeway and backing up to get on the off ramp. I, 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 you know, driving isn't fun anymore. You're just like, I don't understand. You, I don't, there are times I just don't understand. So in the case of Song of the South, and you're never going to please everybody because, okay, you said, okay, Song of the South. Some of you think it's racist. So we as Disney, we're going to eliminate it. We're going to make it uh, the only movie that I can think of off the top of my head, Princess and the Frog. But then the Princess and the Frog people say, what, hand-me-downs now? <laughs> you can't please everybody. No, no You're Disney. Not. You're the big dog. Tell them what you feel, how you feel. Don't keep trying to please everybody or you're in a countless merry-go-round. Somebody's yeah. going to get irritated with something. I'll never forget when someone said you can no, no longer call a manhole cover a manhole cover. Really? What do you call it now? I don't know. But but women are upset, apparently, by somebody that it's called a manhole cover. Really? Do you have this much time on your hands? Give me that time. Because I really need a 36 hour <laughs> I got day. things to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And this is this is what you know, I say to people and I say to people out there, especially my Disney people, because Disney people often talk about being persecuted because they love Disney. They're teased because they wear mouse ears and fun shirts and have a happy personality. Okay, loser, let's talk sports. You're the one with the face painted five different colors at the tailgate party going, oh, so what's the difference? It's just a different subject. Leave each other alone. Is it so important to rip a person down for what they love? Just celebrate in what you love and realize that a tailgate party, Disney style, sports style, whatever you love, it's the same. You know, it's the same. It's just a different subject. And Disney people are joyful people. And that's one of the reasons they want You'll get friends who want to attack you for it because you're too friggin' happy. They're jealous. They yeah. want that happiness. They do. Don't you know what's happening in the world today? And you go, yeah, that's why I'm going to Disneyland. Right. All the more reason to have those places where you can be joyful. I mean, lordy, lordy. It just, real. I sit, my husband says, you live under a rock. You don't want to know what's in the news. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are two people in this world that are about presidency, and I'm not going to name either one because this is political. But how smart is it to say how much you hate X and give them free press? Right. How stupid is this? Why must you say so-and-so is this, such-and-such such is that, I can't stand them, blah, 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 and they're getting all of this free publicity from you who hate them. If everybody just stopped talking about them, I don't know what they would do. They would have to generate their own press is what I'm saying. 
Yeah. So don't just try and stay positive. Talk about what you're for. Yeah. And don't <laughs> talk about whoever you don't like and give them free for free. Yeah. You know, well, and I mean, anybody, it doesn't have to be these political figures. It's just anybody. If you, if you talk too much about X person that you don't like, look, I hate that channel. You know, that channel where blah, blah, blah. And what do the first people do? Let me go check out that channel. I mean, yeah. Oh no, I don't know. I just sit here and I say this to my husband and he goes, you're just crazy. You know, you're just a crazy girl. You don't want it. Like he was telling me something about something the other day. I guess there's a new Marvel. I'm not a Marvelite, but there's a new Marvel movie coming out and it's supposed to be, uh, I think my husband said it's Latino or Hispanic or something. Nothing wrong with that, but they call it like a beanie movie. Isn't that mean? Yeah. I mean, am I, am I wrong? What, what, what are you talking about? You know, so two sides of the mouth, anything can be construed as being derogatory when actually it's just calm down and, and, and work on, I, I, I don't, I don't care about things that are personal, that are personal preferences to you. I don't care if you are blue, purple, red, white, if your sexual present presence preferences with something other than your opposite sex. Why is this so important? Why is this important for me to know? I mean, I don't know why you have to tell me. If it's the way it is, it's the way it is. That's your business. I don't want to be in your bedroom observing. I don't want to do that as a heterosexual person. I don't want to see what you've got to show if it's so important. Never mind. So I sit here and it's very hard for me at 66 years old to understand the importance of so many labels. I just don't understand why it's so important to you guys because just be a good person. I just want to know if you're an a-hole or not. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know you. Just walk away. You know, you can you can be anything else. I don't care. But but stop worrying about what label you are, what this, what justification, whatever, and just be a good you. Because I'm going to love you for you because you are something special. If you if it's important for you to tell me that you're gay and I live in Hollywood, California, so I know it already before you tell me that, you know, but it's it's it, it I just don't understand. And now in movies, they're point scoring and I don't like being treated like I'm stupid. Make the show have different cultures, different people, because you want different cultures and different people, not because you had you need two women and a dash of lesbian, and a dash of LB, you know, a dash of binary. Okay, and what else do we need? Oh, yes, a black person. All right, I think that's good. Let's make this movie now. No, do like Ted Lasso does. Have an eclectic group of people that are all powerful, all wonderful, and just lovely. Just lovely people. I think if more people did shows like Ted Lasso, we would have a wonderful experience it's it's my favorite by far my favorite show and they're just all strong people no one steps up and feels like a quota to me it just feels like good strong characters and that's all i ask and i love movies i love movies mm -hmm. but i don't want to be treated like and nobody wants to be treated like they're stupid and this is what's happening with disney copying you know they're copying live action from animation and it just looks yeah. so lazy. It's so where lazy. are the original ideas? Yeah. Oh, come on, your creators. 
Get creating. You can do it, Disney. You're Disney. Yeah, we need more original things. Right. <laughs> Come on. You can do it. <laughs> you know, and if you don't know what to do, ask. Ask the fans what they'd like to see. Yeah. You know, I tend to watch a lot of animation because it may be the same story told differently, but it's always wonderful. Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, wonderful movies of, of rising above ashes and beating the odds that are against you. That story never gets old. But to just copy it with some lame excuse that black girls can't see themselves as Ariel if Ariel's white. Come on. Has anybody been to Bippity Boppity Boo? Every culture in America is a little mermaid. They don't have kids don't have any problem with it. Stop putting it on kids. Absolutely. You know, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. And the little mermaid, okay, there's lots of little mermaids. Just don't call her Ariel. Because now you're telling me a white chick who has red hair has to apologize for being a white chick with red hair named Ariel. Why does she have to apologize? It has nothing to do with it. You just, you, you're being stupid. You're being so stupid. There, the sea is full of more than one mermaid. Do another little mermaid and name her something else. I know Ariel had sisters. So I don't understand. I said this before on my channel. I said, I don't get why this is so important that she has to be called Ariel. Because Ariel is a redheaded white chick with what green eyes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing. Why are you telling me that it's wrong to be Ariel? Because you're white. Isn't this the same problem in the different direction? Yep, just reverse. Yep. If you are a white male today, yep. how do you feel? Sorry, Matt. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Not how do you feel, good. Matt? <laughs> Tell us. Why is this allowed? Why and, and why is Terry asking these questions? Because look at Terry. She's both. I'm black and I'm white. I've seen it and gotten it from both sides all my life. No way is right. Just treat people for people. Stop looking at color. Yeah. You don't see color. Oh, yes, you do. And you're monopolizing it in our films today. And this just isn't cool. As a woman, we want more parts, but we want to have good parts. We don't want you to say, okay, we'll use you. My auditions have gone up 75% because I'm both. <laughs> Not because I'm talented but because they can put a white looking chick in a position and say, oh, but she's mixed. This is a shame. Some actors are saying they're gay when they're not so they can get more auditions. You're teaching the wrong message, guys. The industry is teaching the wrong message. And I know this may not be what you were expecting to see on your channel today, but it's something that's really important. You guys are all good people. There's not a single person on this earth that should be treated poorly because of who they are and what they look like. Not a single person. Every single person is a good person until you make them feel bad. And then they might just react differently. But yeah. the world is really bizarre now. Firing girls for trying to keep their establishment from being robbed. Really? Really? I never thought I would say it. My father warned me. I was going to be that person, that old person sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. These issues well, you know, are important to talk about. You need to talk yeah. about things. You so let's tell you a fun story. 
Michael Jackson. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I knew you knew yeah. Michael Jackson. I, was I know that's a question. <laughs> Some people don't even remember Michael Jackson, which is very, very sad. Of course. But Michael Jackson, lordy, lordy, lordy. I was blessed with a little show called Captain EO. And in that show, the person I wanted to meet was Francis Ford Coppola. I didn't really. Michael was cool. But I wasn't, he wasn't a heartthrob for me. I'm a TV per I'm a movie person. My favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Godfather series. So I was scared to death to meet Francis Ford Coppola, was afraid I'd act like a fan. But one of my best friends became Michael Jackson. And I worked eight months with Michael, side by side with him as I played Idy and Odie, the two-headed bird character. So I spent a lot of time with Michael and a lot of times to have quiet time for myself. Instead of eating at the commissary at the Culver City Studios where we filmed, I would go on the set, which was a hot set, meaning you shouldn't be on there. But I knew about a hot set, so I just didn't touch anything. But it was a quiet place that I could eat because I knew no one else would come in. And one day I heard commotion on the set when I opened the door and I said, hello. And a voice came back. Hello. And I said, Michael. And he said, Terry. And I said, are you working in here? Am I interrupting something? And he said, no, no, I'm just I'm just working on, on music. And I said, you want me to go? I usually have my lunch here. He said, no, no, no. He said, I have my lunch too. So we sat on the steps of the witch's um, lair and we had lunch. And this is probably well into us knowing each other very well. I chased him around with a bullwhip. Um, I played a great fight in his trailer. Um, he used to scare me with that joke where they say you have rattlesnake eggs and then they open it and it's a rubber band or a hairpin that goes <laughs> and you jump. I'm pretty gullible. So he really enjoyed punking me an awful lot. So we became like, we became buddies. I, I, I'm happy to say that we were buddies, even though we were different in age by quite a bit at the time. He was 25, I think. And uh, that was 1985. So don't remember how old I was, but I know there was this, this bridge. And, um, but I said to him, I said, Michael, as we're eating our food, I said, Michael, can I ask you a very personal question? And he said, sure. And I said, okay. I said, pretend I am, um, a good fairy or I'm a genie and I materialize before you. And I say to you, Michael Jackson, for all the joy that you have brought people for all the love that you've shared with the world. I grant you three wishes. What would they be? And Michael said, nobody's asked me that before. I said, then call me nobody because I'm asking. Now, for those of you who don't remember 1985, 1984, 1983, the eighties were Michael's heyday. The man could do no wrong. He got letters from Frank's and from uh, Fred Astaire telling him that his dance number he performed at the Academy Awards was unflipping believable, an amazing human being. And I remember just, you know, he had kind of the mentality and the attitude of a 12 year old until he danced or he wrote music. Then he became this savant that was, there was no stopping him. When he dodged, watched a dance routine, you, people used to say he could watch it once and duplicate it all the time. But what they didn't say is often the time he watched it was from the side. 
I don't know if you've ever tried to watch a group of people dance, but usually you want to do it from the front and most likely, more likely the back. But he did it from the side and never missed, never missed a step. Unbelievable. But there we are sitting and I say, what are your three wishes? Michael Jackson's first wish was to get his child back, childhood back. Because at age four, his parents would not allow him to climb a tree, would not allow him to play with his friends. Why? Because he was the top commodity. He had sang at that young age, A, B, C, and it had just lit the world on fire. So now the parents protected their golden boy. So first wish, to be able to be a child. Second wish, to go to a mall and not buy it first meaning that he had to buy the entire mall in order to shop without being assaulted, molested, whatever, just people bugging him. And the third one was to walk among people and not be recognized. Now there was an amazing, there is an amazing makeup artist named Rick Baker. And Rick Baker did this for Michael. He made him into a white, little old white Jewish man. And Michael walked along the beach as a little white old Jewish man. And he absolutely loved it. People get, get away from me, old man. And he would giggle and he would just love it. But that wish was seen. Now I want you all to think about this. Number one, he wants his childhood back. Number two, he doesn't want to buy them all. And number three, he wants to walk amongst people unnoticed. So what is Michael saying to you? Of all the money, of all the fame, of all the talent that he possessed, what he wants more than anything is to be like you. Michael's dream was to be just like you, was to be a normal human being that people cared about, not because of what they could get him, but because of the light that shone within him. And this is really important for you guys to take with you because that's, you tell me what that is. That's amazing to me, just amazing. So I can rant. <laughs> good story Tara, Jeff is going to be so jealous that he wasn't on the last episode he was just telling us how Captain EO is like his favorite ride is like I his first memory so He's we're going to have to listen to, to this with Jeff with us so you could you could talk more Captain EO with him absolutely I'm happy to do that yeah, yeah that's one of his favorite attractions he was talking about that like the what was it last week it's yeah. it's yeah, such a great attraction show, show us yeah, yeah. He's like, this People is been cool. sending me things like there's a, a guy out there who thinks he wants to make a movie from it. I'm not quite sure how you would do that. Maybe animated. Um, but I don't know how you would do it, but it was such an honor to be a part of that, of that whole process and that whole film. I worked with some great people and I'm more than happy to share those stories when he's back. Oh yeah. We would love to hear all those stories. But so many people love celebrities and a lot of times celebrities want what you have. You know, fame is not something, well, there are people who kind of strive for it, but most of the time an actor just wants to be an actor and fame is the bitter that you have to deal with the sweet. But if they complained about it, people would say, oh yeah, all the way to the bank, you know? And, and so it's hard, but fame cannot be easy because you sacrifice a lot. You know, you can no longer go shopping on your own or, you know, um, this was my joy as a puppeteer. I've done some really incredible films, but unless I tell you, you don't know. So um, we need a whole other episode. <laughs> we need a whole. There's so many questions that we had. <laughs> like, listening I, like just listening to you talk, like a question <laughs> pop in my head, and then you go and I get another question. I'm like, what do I want to ask? I know. Yeah, I just just write them down, and then you yeah. go, Terry. The 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 never ending story. 
Yeah, so um, you're, which you're is sharing. true. I you're not the first podcast to say that, and that's not being narcissistic, but it's because I am a natural storyteller, and I love to just let you see the the want to paint a picture for you and let you see yeah. that uh, that uh, as an Imagineer, I don't look at myself as someone better than you. I just look at someone who went through a door when it opened. That's all. Yeah, and I can show you how to do it. In today's world, you have the internet, and so you know, people love Instagram and TikTok and they all brag about how many likes they have and how many followers they have, but get off your butt and say what your dream is. Do it. Okay. If you're going to show all your art, if you're going to show your dance moves and everything else, that's lovely. But we like lemmings just like it. Like, 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 like. We don't know unless you tell us what your dream is. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this dance because I've dreamt about being on Broadway. You don't think that somebody's not watching you. They're all watching you. I want to be a Disney Imagineer. So how do you become a Disney Imagineer? You create an attraction. You know, the nice thing about the internet is it's date dated. Everything is dated. So Disney cannot steal from you. They know this. So mm -hmm. and, and not only Disney Universal, nobody can steal from you. And if they do, you've got it. It's dated on the on the internet it's it's there it tells you what the date is right and if not say the date and then that's on there but my point is this if you say to yourself if i was going to create a new ride for disneyland in the uh in in honor of walt what would it be and then get together with your friends and create that sucker and share it and say i think this is what they should be doing let me lay it out Okay, on my Patreon page, we kept thinking, well, let's think Splash Mountain is old. Let's say Splash Mountain is old because it's a pretty old ride. It's got the America Sings characters in there. I mean, those guys <laughs> have more mileage on them than most old vehicles. So let's really boil it down to the fact that rather than calling it racist, let's talk about it's an old ride. We'd like to put something in there new. And my group came up with Moana. We thought Moana would be fantastic. This group of people on my Patreon page, all people like you, they're not people like me. There's some like me, but most of you are all you from people who are cast members to people who make sandwiches to people who are Lego people to people who are cleaning people to people who are uh, Airbnb people who do the, 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 whatever the lift or whatever is, it's all walks of life. Just people who want to talk in a positive way, doing positive stuff. So we got together and we thought about this Moana ride right down to the bear that's carved out in front. You could just put that God there. You know, you put him there, you just move that out, do a carving of him. And then you pretty much could alter the boats to look like the boat she has. We yeah. thought if you're Disney and you want to just shift it over. You can use the same, the same layout. You just dress it differently. And Lynn's, and Disney has a win-win, you know, no offense to princess in the frog, but a lot of people are upset because there's like one thing that has a black person in it. And it's like, Hmm, what will we do? That's not, you know, it just feels wrong. No matter what, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, they'll probably make a great ride and I'm excited it'll be fun. But I just thought, what if it's just an old ride or a ride that you guys have gone to that you think maybe needs a little dressing up or maybe an attraction? Like if you didn't like Galaxy's Edge, what would you put there and why? And get together. If you don't draw, if you don't sculpt, if you don't whatever, you get together and you show it on your Instagram, your TikTok, whatever, and you share it with people. 
Because let's face it, we don't want to be part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution too. So, so you can do the same thing. And then you tell people what your dream is. Because there are people out there who have done that and have been successful. They've ended up being cartoonists for animators for Disney because they shared what they wanted to do. They created, they re-edited. Um, there's a very old uh, editor, old editing thing where the guy changed Mary Poppins into a horror film. Mary Poppins, he made into a horror film. He did trailers. And so the Mary Poppins trailer, have you seen that? Mm -mm. Oh, it's so good. It no, starts, but I have to check it out. With, Stay awake. <laughs> Don't close your eyes. She came in the night. <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then they did The Shining like a slapstick comedy. So they edited these different things to just do different meanings. And it got him a job editing for the film industry when he couldn't even get in the door. Backdoor that way. Yeah. Backdoor. You got to use your creative brains. Don't let these people out there tell you how to think. Don't let them make you feel bad about who you are. You, you got to do it. And if you ever have any problem, and this is to all y'all out there, then find me, write to me, and I'll set you straight. Because you are all very special people, even the ones I'm not looking at today. You're all very special people, very important people. And don't let anyone tell you differently. I have a girl that was on my page. She she had to leave, but she has a voice that sounds like a Disney princess. She's like 24. And your voice is up here. It's her real voice. <laughs> oh, my God. I said to her, I said, I don't want to offend you, but how, are, do you have problems with people taking you serious? The time. Oh, no. Yet, where is Disney giving this woman a job? <laughs> that is her natural voice. Savannah. Savannah Newton. She is absolutely darling, charming, looks like a Disney princess. I don't know why Disney hasn't given her a job yet. She is just, she, it, it, you know, everybody's trying to imitate that voice. And that's her natural voice. My goodness. What's the matter? You know, so... That which is a problem for you can be your asset, can be your special, special talent that you just got to make sure somebody sees it and tell them that's your wish. So to be an Imagineer, think like one. Don't wait for someone to hit you with a magic wand. Think like one. Show them what you got. And then say, if you're out there, talk to me because I'm the next person that can help you fix this thing or whatever you want to say. When I was there, I had to schlep my portfolio around, carry this big, heavy portfolio and, you know, open it up and talk a good thing and tell them why I wasn't wearing a skirt. I wore jeans because I was a mud, you know, lath and plaster girl, chainsaw kid, you know. But now all you have to do is show it on the Internet. Everybody's watching. You may get a thousand views, but you only need one or two that will get you to that brass ring if that's what you're looking for. But that's what I got to be what you're looking for. If you're looking for likes, you've got it, you're done. But if you're looking for more, you have to tell people, you have to share with people what it is you want. And then we're going to help you get there. I can't imagine we wouldn't. Yeah. So Terry, I, you're sharing all these great stories. And we briefly were kind of, before we started recording, you were sharing a little bit of a story and you just brought up Imagineers and you're talking about the need, you know, when I think of Imagineers and, and speaking to you and the, the the research that we've done, Imagineers are individuals, right? They are they are people that 
that's probably one of the most important characteristics. And then you look into some of the different Imagineers, and even amongst them, there are individuals. And I feel like one of them was Raleigh Crump. And you were sharing a little bit of a story with us about Raleigh. And I was wondering if you could delve into that a little bit, because we did mention him on a, on a previous podcast, and we know he he unfortunately recently passed away. Um, so we'd love to just hear your your relationship with him and your work with him. Well, here's a guy that made Imagineers question why Walt hired him. Because the first time they saw him, he was in the corner drawing marijuana posters. I mean, seriously, seriously. I have one somewhere. And I just was like, what? But Imagineers are like, well, this guy is drawing posters that say smoke ganja, smoke marijuana at Disney. I mean, that's weird, right? And he was built like Popeye the Sailor Man. I mean, the man was gorgeous. I have a picture of three gay guys checking him out <laughs> in the cubicle. I mean, it's just hilarious. All three are just kind of checking him out. And it's such a cute picture. It's an adorable picture. And he is oblivious to it. But he was just super, just like Popeye, just built like this amazing person. And we became friends because he was just so, so odd. And I was figured as odd because I just, as you can see, stuff, I speak what comes out of my mouth. There's no catalytic converter there. It just comes out. And people are like, whoa, you're direct, you know? And Disney would say, you have to go through channels and stuff. And Terry, there's a game you've got to play. And I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why can't I just talk to the person and tell them they're being a jerk? Let's <laughs> fix it, you know? So- Roly and I meet and we start to jabber about our art and we just connect. And so I go to his home, which was out in Temecula at the time. And I say to him, I want to do something, collaborate with you. Because right now I'm known as a come here, come here, get away, get away, Imagineer. They hire me when they need to catch up and then they get rid of me. So it's like the box, pop up, get some carving done, and then they put me back and put the box on the shelf. It actually works for me. Um, and I like it very much. But um, Rolly and I decided to create this chess set. This is over 20 years ago. But Rolly was worried that Disney would say it was their intellectual property. So, hmm, all right, fair enough. And so what we did was, and I'm going to show you guys, is we designed, he designed the drawings and I made them chess pieces. So let me just pull them out here. I'm going to put a light on the subject. But this is one of my favorite pieces. Now, they also had this in the Haunted Mansion. They didn't do a good job with it. So mm -hmm. there they are. Wow. So these are known as the Bishop. And these are Roly Crump's Museum of the Weird chairs. Aren't they amazing? Those they're are like beautiful. so amazing. Now you'll notice right away they're five inches tall. Boy, I can't tell you how I begged Roly to let me make them a normal size. He would not have it. So we made them five inches tall, which means to get this entire chess set is going to be an investment. Probably mm -hmm. you'll have to be someone like a Danny Elfman or <laughs> the Lopez brothers to be able to afford the full chess set. <laughs> but before Roly passed away, he agreed to allow Terry to do what I call levels. So the first level we introduce is the full-on chess set, which we don't know what the price is going to be because I'm not done yet. I'm still sculpting them. 
here is the queen. And he picked the colors, blood red and bone white. So here is the queen. Wow. And these are all his Museum of the Weird. I thanked him because he did the front drawing and I got to do all the other sides. So that's the queen. And then here is one that you all probably know. This is the Candleman. He's the knight. So the Candleman is what frightened Walt. Walt (laughs) had the Candleman in in his dreams. He had it in his nightmares. And so if I push these guys aside so you can really see the Candleman without obstruction, you can see that he's he's pretty scary. He's nice and he's beautiful. (laughs) And so there is a following for the Museum of the Weird. So there you can see exactly with me, their size. And so they are, um, so I worked with Roly via Zoom and he and I worked back and forth. This was the most difficult piece that I could do because he kept saying, it doesn't look drippy enough. It doesn't look drippy enough. And finally he gave me the okay. And I then slept for like a day. (laughs) But the point is, is that here are all of them now. And um, if I go over here, I have three more left to do. This one is the pawn. And I'm working on that come next week. I'm walking for a charity called Chalk Children's Hospital of Orange County. So my team is walking for that next weekend. So I have to rest and build up because as many of you knew, I I had a bout with COVID. So now I'm trying to get myself back to the way I was before uh, COVID. And so this is the pond. I was fortunate enough to do all the clays with Roly before he passed away. So now it's just a matter of finishing those three. And then I want to launch his favorite month. You will be so shocked when I tell you his favorite month was October. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise, his favorite month, October. And so in honor of October, and I'm working with his wife, we're going to present what the cost of each level will be. First level is to be, buy what's called the big kahuna. Big kahuna means you get the chess board, you get the chess set, and you get a book that talks about our, our journey. And then the second level is just getting a representation of each one of the figures. So you would get in the color of your choice, either bone right, white or blood red, or if you have the budget, you can get a set of each, but it's just representing the bishop, the pawn, the rook, et cetera. That'll be a little more cost-effective for most people. I think that will probably be our largest seller. They could surprise me, but I think that's gonna be our largest seller. And then finally, we'll do a book. We'll do a very nice elegant book that you can buy if this is just beyond your budget, but you love the Museum of the Weird so much that you don't want to let it pass. And the reason many don't want to let it pass is because this is, Roly said to me, it would be the last piece he would collaborate on. And he was so excited that he had chosen me. And I was very touched that he had chosen me. So... Um, to be able to do the Zoom calls with him like I did and to converse with him and to laugh with him. And then later his wife said, you know, it's just not feasible. The one picture I didn't get was the one with him holding them. He never got to actually hold the pieces because it just wasn't in the cards for that to happen. So now uh, when I went to his celebration of life, I met his son 
And so now I'm hoping to collaborate with the family to include some photos uh, of Roly with possibly with family, with wife, whatever, you know, who knows how that's going to work. But the main thing is she, you know, she asked me on the day he passed if I was willing to still do the chess set. I was like, damn straight, you know, because it was a dream of his to have, he's never got, he got to see via Zoom and via email them in three dimensions, but I was really hoping that I could get them to him. We we traveled a couple of times to see if we he could hold them and it just, it just wasn't in the cards. So um, unfortunately we don't have that photo, but we will have, you know, photos of him and photos of the process that we went to and a couple of screenshots from the Zoom calls that we did and the emails that were sent and some of the things that he said, but he was really excited about this coming to life and, uh, and it was important. And originally, I have to be honest with y'all, I was just going to make a set for him and give it to him. I didn't even, but there were so many fans who wrote and said, but what about us? There's yeah. been nothing on Museum of the Weird. There's nothing. And we want it. And some asked if they could have duplicates of his drawings, but Rowley said no. He didn't want to duplicate the drawing. So um, that may change with the family, but right now, um, that that has to be approved with the family. But um, but at least you'll get to see him in three dimensions, and you can hold him, and you can, you know, that's amazing. And it had to be an actual chess set, so I had to alter his sketches to be an actual chess set. Right. So that's where the approval happened is that he would show me the drawings and then I had to bring them in so they fit right. on the squares. So a normal chess square is 1.5, these are 2.5. So they're, wow. they're five inches tall and 2.5 instead of, you know, chess pieces that are about this big. I begged him, I said, more people can afford it. He didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of art, can you tell our, our listeners what else, what other art do you do? I see like um that you paint and um, that happened during the pandemic. Okay. During the pandemic, I decided I wanted to try. I love learning. Oh yeah. So I started painting. So I tell people if you want a commission from me, get me while I'm clueless. Because right now I'm practicing trying to find what my style is. Right. So it's more reasonable to have me do a one-of-a-kind painting because I'm more flexible there than if it's a sculpture. I really know my sculpture. I really know what the price points are for stuff. So I just finished um, this young lady. This is my wax. I sculpted in toy wax. I did some time with Mattel. And this is um, Jessica Rabbit. Oh, that's awesome. And um, she's based on Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if those of you don't know Marilyn Monroe, Google it. Um, but Marilyn Monroe's skirt flew up, a very famous skirt flying up. And I do private commissions. So what that means is I do one-of-a-kind sculptures that can be any size, but they're yours. And after I do it, no one else can have it. It's yours, period, end of story. And so this is one of those pieces. It's called A Day at Disneyland, and it's Jessica Rabbit. And with my client, we tried to figure out what would be good. And one day I woke up and said, how about... Jessica's at Disneyland, her skirt flies up, and underneath is Roger going, <laughs> so it's not looking up her dress or anything like that. It's just that her skirt goes up and you find, you discover Roger. And the client went crazy, just went, I almost cried, just cried. Now, this is a very, very 
elaborate sculpture and is quite an investment in itself because she's almost 13 inches tall. So most people will have me do one of a kinds, but they can be any size and we can talk about what it is. But once it's done, it's not done again and it becomes yours and yours alone. Now, sometimes a person will suggest something that I do in a series. And if I do a series and I pick yours, you have the right to purchase number one. And then it's a little more cost effective. Right. But sculpturally, if you're someone who is a Disney person, it's going to be a lot different um, when I talk to you and say, what's your budget? And you're honest with me. And we try and figure out if you really, really want it. Because right. there was there are people that want the fairy godmother because they want to give it as a gift to the god to the godparents, and Disney doesn't make her because they don't think she's a big enough draw. So these are kind of the things. Or you loved a movie that people thought wasn't a good movie, you know? Then I'll do stuff like that. But I also have done um, parade floats for Disney, parade floats for the Tournament of Roses, using a chainsaw and a machete or teaching others to do it. I also make cosplay costumes for people. Awesome. I would show you my Hella hat, but I did a <laughs> Hella hat because I kept seeing women make it out of wood uh -huh. and heavy materials and I was afraid they'd snap their necks. <laughs> so I show you a material you can do that's light as a feather. And um, and so I will, I will present those at things I'll say here and I'll toss the hat and it'll float. And I'll say, look how detailed you can get, but you're not going to break your neck. Uh, you know, I want you, I want you to cosplay, but be smart about it. Don't, if Warbla is still too heavy, don't use Warbla. You know, you, this is a material you can actually use. It's, you know, and I know a lot of it and I know a lot of clays and waxes, wax I love because you can repair it and it looks like it was never broken. Unlike Super Sculpey and the polymer clays, once that shatters, it's shattered cannot repair it. So usually when I do stuff for people, I say, let me do it in wax. So it stays away. So, so all kinds of stuff. That's why I tell people, Google me because you can see I do all kinds of stuff and I'm constantly looking to do more stuff because I love learning. So I feel learning is living. You can't let somebody, and I don't care who teaches me. They can be half my age, two thirds my age. I don't care as long as you can teach me something that I don't know. And most of the time, the reason I have an Apple phone is I can hold it up like in the in, in close encounters and go, can somebody help me with this? And everybody goes, ah, uh, you know, which is why I have an Apple phone. You know, I'm not proud. I just want to know how to use it. Yeah. So there's all kinds of art like that. Um, if I were to show you a few things, I'll show you my father. This is my dad. Just turned Aww. 90. So he just turned 90? Yeah. Oh, and then birthday, here he then. is. Here he is in Korea as a soldier. Very handsome fellow. I was just going to say that. There's my sister. You can see my sister's going through some things right now because she lived in Maui for seven years and she just moved back. And then oh. Maui got attacked by fire. And a lot yeah. of these yeah, are friends. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. They're all super close. She's really having a hard time because because people don't understand what an island an island is. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is this is devastating for the island. So I love Maui. I've been to Lena before, oh, and it's abso so I'm absolutely devastated. Praying so hard for them. Me too. There I am with Michael. Oh, Michael, Michael felt terrible because I wouldn't take a picture of him like a standy card. So he came and said, "Let me get a picture with you because this is embarrassing." <laughs> and I was like, "No problem." There's the eggs I told you about at eight years old. Ah. So I was just doing these little drawings of these eggs. 
So I tell people, just just don't let people tell you the story. Disney doesn't pay enough. Well, maybe Disney doesn't pay you enough. You know, so figure it out. These are puppets I made from scratch. Here I am as a mime. Here's my hair. <laughs> so you can see that's all me. So people were just like, you know, people said, grow it 15 inches and it'll grow down. Uh, no, not true. So my mother was a white person. This is illustrations. I did a carpet cutting place and I illustrated my time card so I didn't have to go in early. All <laughs> I had to do was look for the art. And then <laughs> those are beautiful. Yeah, they're fun, huh? The, you love the, the dragons, huh? <laughs> the accountant came to see me because he was like, who the, you know, my account book was boring until you. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's my Wookiee, built oh. a Wookiee in 1977. Here I am as another hope with my sculpted Yoda puppet. Oh. So, yeah, here I am as the new hope. My hair is all straightened. Here I am in Finsa. You know what's special about Finsa if you love Star Wars? It's where they filmed Hoth. So here I'm wearing a crew jacket uh, and I'm standing in front of where they filmed Hoth. Uh, so I was very excited about that. So yeah, and here I'm building a lightsaber. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. I did one of those. <laughs> you know, it's so neat when you it sit is. and you envelop the, the thing because Disney cast members were told they could no longer role play. It's too many people complained. And so when you're inside the isolation of the of the lightsaber building thing, it is so much fun if you're a Star Wars person. So I went to Norway when pass holders were allowed to go there. And so I missed out. I was like, yeah. I was invited and I couldn't go because I was in Norway. Oh, poor me. <laughs> but I came back and the first thing I want to do is build a lightsaber. So I print out on paper my confirmation and I go before the people and they go, don't you have a uh digital device and i go no i have something that doesn't doesn't require i'm not from this planet it doesn't require the internet i didn't know if you'd have the internet so i did this this material it's called paper <laughs> it you can you don't have to have the internet you can read the paper and the paper has the <laughs> number on it. You don't have to rely on the atmosphere to give you because I didn't know if Betu had good had good Wi-Fi or not. So I wasn't going, I worked hard to be the Jedi that was chosen for this job. So I didn't want to. So they're like, well, we don't know how to do this. I go figure it out because uh, did I say I was a Jedi? So you don't want to keep me missing my class. Worked hard. So then you go in and I'm standing next to a very young, young girl. She must've been about 19. And I start to say, oh, I'm so excited. What planet did you come from? I worked so hard on my planet. Only three are allowed to fly here and build their own lightsaber. You have to really battle hard. And then the top three of which <laughs> was me, I get to do this. And I did this whole dialogue and then the cast members knew that I was giving them permission. And so we did this entire dialogue within the confines of the lightsaber build. So they not only got to build the lightsaber, but they got a show as well. And afterwards, the girl's mother and girl came and thanked me for how much fun they had because she loves Star Wars. And she they asked me if I was part of the cast. I said, no, but this is the fun about this because Disney may tell you you can't, you know, you can't 
role play outside, but when you're inside, it's private. So you can do that. And it's a lot of fun. It's the same writing that ship on, uh, what is it called in Galaxy's Edge, where you get to be the pilot, the gun. Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So I don't want to be the pilot. I get motion sick. So anytime I get the pilot, I go, someone else be the pilot. I want to be the gunner. Who's the gunner? You want to trade with me? And they all want to trade because everybody wants to be the pilot. But I love being the gunner because I don't care who you are. I'm going to be yelling at you. <laughs> you know, Captain, I see one in our six, you know, and they go, what should I do? Fire. And they just can't not respond. <laughs> they just can't. I don't care who you are. It's better if I don't know any of you because because, you know, but if you have friends and you're all bantering about, that's what makes that attraction very very fun yeah it makes it come to life for you it's so fun it's so but i I didn't really even care to ride the ride i just wanted a picture at the chessboard oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. because i had seen the movie 183 times i was like hey me that board we have a date (laughs) it is a pretty cool you need to go in i was like no i don't i need to get this picture taken so step back (laughs) if you keep talking i'm going to keep sitting if you let my person take the picture we'll be done yep (laughs) terry did you do the star cruiser I did not because I thought, who wants to be in a tin can looking at their phone all day when you're yeah. on a plane? Yeah. I mean, again, this is a thing gone wrong. I, this is so silly that you had to use your phone in order to navigate within a tin can. And isn't that what we hate nowadays is being attached to our phone? And now you've got to pay thousands of dollars and they wonder why it failed. Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to be a hotel themed Star Wars. So maybe your room was, and maybe you could go to certain areas in the hotel to experience Star Wars-like experiences, but still go out and enjoy that which you came for, which is what? (laughs) Disney, Florida. (laughs) Do you think they'll go back to that? I hope they do. I think, you know, in Paris, they have a Marvel one. And the New York Hotel, right? Which everybody says is excellent. They say it's got things to look at, things to do, things to experience. And guess what? You still get to go to Paris Disneyland. It -hmm. just doesn't make sense to make people trapped in there and tell them they can't go outside. So you're going to pay extra money and then you can't go experience the rest of that, which is so special about Walt Disney World. It just didn't. I said, no. Minute it launched, I said, oh, please don't spend the money. It was very expensive too. It's like five thousand dollars plus for Minimum. for two nights, and then you're trapped. Yeah, you're absolutely trapped inside. You can't go outside, yeah. and it, it just what? Whose idea was this? You know, I was around and they did uh, Body Wars. I, I sculpted. Oh, I love Body, body Wars. Right? Yeah, but we had to stop Body Wars because they painted the interior red. Do you remember that, Nikki? The inside because it was supposed to be inside the bloodstream. Blood vessel. Yeah, yes. right. it was red. Well, red alerts the body to danger, so people were coming out and throwing up. Oh, and having oh. all kinds of problems because red is a danger signal to the body. Really? That's yes. why they got rid of it? Yes, you heard it here first. I, uh, I mean, seriously, oh. this was something that people didn't think about. Mm. And that's what they said. We got to come up with something else. And they and I thought maybe they just pick a different color, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, but that's what's the problem. That was the problem. People would go through. Not that they got motion sickness. Not that they had a problem. But because the ride went just long enough that right. the body started to react to this danger wow. signal. It could not find where that red was coming from and started to have challenges. Yeah. That's it's so it interesting. Really crazy. 
I have to say, yeah. like, I've learned so much in this like episode than, you know, than anything I've read. Like, this has just been such an amazing time with you. I'm so <laughs> glad because I don't mind telling you about it's it. So much and I don't mind sharing. Sure. Some people say that dis- there's some Imagineers that are like, well, you know, you yeah. <laughs> and they get all, you know, uh, school teachery. Not yeah. that school teachers are bad. I'm talking about that school teacher who thinks they know more than you and act like yeah. that. And they really don't. They're they're kind of you know posy. Yeah. But when you get a teacher who really knows it and really is into it, that's the teacher you you remember and you love. So you'll get some of these Imagineers that really crack me up. People go, "You're the nicest Imagineer ever." I said, "How is that possible?" There's so many Imagineers. There's so many people that are wonderful and cool that I can't imagine this to be true. But people tell me that. And I'll tell you the truth. I want you to know that that's the number one thing you can be is a truth teller. Yeah. Don't blow smoke at people. Don't, don't, you know, that a person wants to know, you know, when you ask them, what do you think of my work? You say, you're doing good, but here's the thing. You got to be the best. Mm-hmm. So keep practicing, keep working. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you got to practice at it. It's not going to be something that you can phone in. If you listen to the history of many Imagineers, they're doing drawings for 20 years and walking into a room where all those drawings are when they finally get, <laughs> I'll never forget that story. You know, and and you you talk to them all and they all have these amazing, like, like Bob Gurr used to disassemble toasters and disassemble things in his family's home and build something else out of it. And his parents used to hate it. <laughs> I need a toaster. So he would take apart whatever car or plane or whatever he was making that was phenomenal and put the toaster back. I mean, you know, you you look at what the core value are imagined and they all had this quirky thing. Like Tony Baxter at 13 years old bit an, built an entire attraction and then took it into Imagineering to show them. Are they special or just walking through a door that's always been there? You know, you guys have got this, but you can't let other people make you feel bad. Learn that if people are telling you your idea is stupid, you're on to something. Don't forget the pet rock. <laughs> Post-it note. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to have you back on our show. Like this yeah, is incredible. Like, well, I want it to be about you much... guys. Yeah, yeah. like it's you just guys so are. Fun. Let's so give fun. you one. A person said to me, I can sit here and tell you all of my accomplishments. Accomplishment. Right. I've done this and I've done that. And oh my goodness, I did Ghostbusters. But when the reality (laughs) happens, what's in it for you? Yeah. If I'm telling you about Ghostbusters, how does that help you? And how does it help you? Mm -hmm. Because somebody stood up and said to the person who did the original design of Ghostbusters is, don't look for someone to get in that suit. Get in that suit. Uh, That's what I said to Bill We need someone to get into it. Bill, get in it. <laughs> and Ghostbusters is one of my favorites. I was going to ask that you know question today, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much more to talk about. Yeah. So we're definitely well, it's not a Disney thing, so I kind of stay no. away from it. But as an artist, you start to build something, and someone says, we need something to go inside that suit. And you're as an artist, you start building it, and you go, what yeah. kind of actor am I going to put in there? remember you're an artist and you're not really good with math and when it comes to money you're terrible so here's what you do you put yourself in the magical thing that you're building so that you get a pension from what's called the screen actors guild (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how many artists i told that to 
Yeah. I don't know how many. Bill Bryant gave me a hug and said, thank God I listened to you when you told me to get in that suit. Yeah. When I auditioned to be the terror dog for Zagoni Weaver, I said, I can do that. They asked me, can she be a female? I said, absolutely. Did I know that? Maybe. <laughs> but you just you just say, yes. Yeah, I can do it. And get up there and just do the best you can and make it, you know, and have a really great personality. Because a lot of people want you around because you're nice more than if you're not. Right. And uh, uh, I just... Why swim upstream when you can swim downstream with your friends and really have a great life? You know, make it your mission to do something nice for someone else. The next time you're in a grocery checker line and there's one person, as you're standing in that line of 10 people and you're getting a little upset, think of something you can say to her that will make her or him laugh. Like, are you the owner of this store? Because where the hell is everybody else? You know, you must own the store. You know, because you're all alone here. What's the deal? You know, something that lets them know that you, you know, because honestly, customer service is not fun. No. It's just not fun. You know, Maui is on fire and someone calls my sister and says, you think the Marriott will be open in Maui in a month? I've got tickets. Really? I think they have your problems to worry about. Yeah. Really? Please don't be that person. Don't be that person. When you live on an island, it's 20 million times harder. Mm -hmm. People have lost their homes and their businesses, and there's nowhere for them to go but the ocean. They have nothing but paradise, and it's burned to the friggin' ground. And I said to my sister, how are they going to survive? And Jeff Bezos says, let's start out with about what, 100 million or something he did? That's Bezos, the one that says is a piece of crap for Facebook. Well, he did something good. You know, not everybody is 100% bad. You know, Maui needs help and I don't know how to help him. But I am going to say, don't be part of the problem. Don't go, can I preserve my trip? They're going to be down for months. So what can we do to help them? What can we do to make them feel better? Because most of those people had to work three jobs just to stay in paradise. It's hard. It's a hard place to live. My sister was there seven years. It's a hard place. Their, their, their stuff went down, okay? There's stuff in the news that doesn't, doesn't tell you about it. And that went down. My sister texted to see if her friends were okay. And she they that was the first they heard that there was a problem. Wow. So now she is the the communication to help them find out about their friends because they can't text within Maui, but they can text with the mainland. So as simple as this is, it's a way to help people. So try just, just take that. You know, I had a guy teach me that pretend you're a server and instead of gimme, 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 what can I do for you that I, you know, what can I do for you and that you can do for me? Don't just ask, say, go in with something to offer back and forth. So I'd love to come again. You know, I know that for some, this might not be what they were hoping for, fun, fluffy stories, but we can do fluffy stories next time. This is what happens when you've had eight days of COVID and had nothing to do with think. Well, you know, you I know. think this was wonderful. Yeah. I think this was- like, I hope so. And I, I, think, I think there's only one way we could end this particular uh, interview with Terry is we have one more question. And it's, if we were a genie, <laughs> grant you three wishes what would they be 
Number one is world peace for real. Just just open the heads of people and realize, get pour in their value. Let people realize how valuable they are. Mm -hmm. I don't like people made to feel like they're helpless in this world. And that's the number one thing. I just want people to know their potential. And that's what my tribe is about. You know, I got people on there that talk about all kinds of stuff. We don't, you know, when I first did it, I thought they would want to know how to become Imagineer. But the tribe page is about talking about stuff that they can't talk about in public. That is really important to me. I think my second wish is that I want to travel. Okay, so my husband retired this year and he's very, he's so, I know it's so cool. He's (laughs) mindful of our finances. We actually have a financial advisor, you know, but he worries. He wants, he has this attitude that he will, I will survive him and he wants me to be taken care of after he goes. And Matt, I'll bet you, you have the same thing. This, this is a big deal with men, men, especially they're just the natural knights in shining armor. And uh, I don't know if people think differently of them, they ought to read the books I read, but uh Mine is the love of my life. It took me a very long time to get him and I love him more than anything, but I made it very clear that this uh, January is our 20th wedding anniversary and I don't want to drive to the celebratory location. (laughs) I don't want to get to it by car. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, but blah, 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 blah. I have to take her. And there are places I want to travel with him. There are places that after he goes, I can travel alone because he's not that interested. But I don't want to be the person sitting in the, you know, behind the dugout and saying, I wish you should have, could have, would have. I want to travel with him in certain places. So I made it very clear. 20 years is a big deal. It took 15 years plus to catch this fool. So I really, (laughs) really want to celebrate 20 years of being married to him. And I'm straight up like this. So we talked with the financial advisor and the financial advisor, I'm happy to say, agreed with me and told Lindsay he worried too much. And we're going to spend six or seven days on a um, nice uh, tropical location because he wants it to be warm and he wants it to be where he can just be lazy. He doesn't want to go do stuff. (laughs) I had all these ideas, but he says, I don't want the itinerary to be so full that I can't relax. So we decided something like that. And it's all planned and it's going to be really nice. Hopefully um, it will. But this, this is what I told him. And uh, and so the financial advisor helps me to not, because I'm a plan. I love to just plan a great vacation. I want it to be exciting and fun. And what is the budget? If this is what I want to do, like I really want to go to the Galapagos Islands and people are telling me that Adventures by Disney would be a good way to go. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm going to talk to them and see. But then I find out what it's going to cost and then I figure out how I can afford it. Mm -hmm. When will I plan it? When will I book it? But he worries. And and so, you know, this is the funny part about it. So my second wish would be to travel with him and him not worry. That's a really important thing. Please stop worrying. We're good. We've got an amazing person that that reins me in if I do too much and pushes him out if he does too little good balance yeah he's a good guy he's very helpful and uh i bless him every day for being so wise and so helpful to me and then i think the third thing i want the greatest wish for me is for everyone to realize 
their potential in life and that they deserve, you deserve to have your best life. So if you want to make a living doing what you love, then I want you to make a living doing what you love. But don't jump off the cliff like Wile E. Coyote. Use it like a, a, a pot of soup and start to integrate while you're working that what you want to do and build that while you're working. And as that takes fire, you start to pull away from the job. And before you know it, you're doing what you want to do. You deserve it. So many people don't believe that they deserve to, to do what they want to do. And I've done it all my life. And I thought everybody did. But my husband worked at a job he absolutely hated for years. So when he retired, I said, let's do something you want to do. What do you want to do? And when you're in a job, sometimes the cage is great. You got a great vacation. You got good money and everything's wonderful. And now you're retired and you're afraid to step out of that cage. You're, you're, you're The gate opens in the cage and you're in the cage and you've got your food and you've got your water. But all the other tigers outside are going, my husband was so afraid to go through that. What am I going to do? What am I going to plan? Now as his wife, I have to come up with something to show him what the other side looks like, or he's worried that he's going to go back, close that gate and say, I'm going to stay here, even though he hates the job. It's what he knows. If this is you, this is what is wonderful about having that special someone, someone who 24-7 thinks about you. I love this man more than my life. Every moment of the day, I'm trying to figure out how can his life be better? Right. How can he realize what a jet, what a darling he was to allow me to sculpt and draw and paint and be all that while he made sure the bills were paid? Doing a job he absolutely hated. Okay. And so I made him dinner for 20, 30 years. I make him coffee every morning, breakfast in bed, anything I could think of to make his life easier. And so I had to come up with an idea on how to make him realize retirement was cool. And he loves coffee. So I interviewed coffee people across the United States and found a lady that I love. She's 25. And I flew him to New York in January because did you know New York is half price? You probably did, Nikki, because you're a travel person. New York is half price in January because they hate it's the cold. Oh, I used yeah. to live there, so I know. <laughs> oh my god. Jersey, so we got so lucky this January, it was 51 degrees. That sounds amazing. The whole two weeks we were there. Wow. And he <laughs> learned how to do coffee, how to make a good espresso. So now we have this machine. He's making a good espresso. He's just joyfully, this has nothing to do with his job. He was in the entertainment industry. He was an editor. So it's completely, he wanted, his dream was to do something he didn't do as a job. And he absolutely loves it. And so now he's realizing, now every once in a while he wants to go back. And I'm like, no, you're not. You know, if you want to edit, we can edit for us. You know, and there's things we want to do. But uh, I have some obligations I have to finish, and then we're going to do what we want to do. And some of it has to do with stop motion animation. I want to do some of that. You know, I want to learn about that. I want right. to go see uh, that ranch that uh, uh, Steve Sansweet has. It's got a great Steve Sansweet story. I won't tell it to you now, but I got a really good one. And we became really super good friends. So I've never seen his collection displayed. 
because I was helping him when he was building it because he took some of my collection for it. That's another story, Star Wars. But the point is, is that I'd like to see that. So I said to my husband, there's places we can drive to when we want to be low and, you know, be more in budget. And then there's yeah. places we can fly to, you know, just just tell me and we'll make it work. But we got to figure out what do we want to do together because I don't want to spend it by my, I have too many friends whose wives or husbands have gone and they're traveling by themselves because they just pushed it back. Make every moment count. Yeah. 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 I think after the, during the pandemic, that really helped open a lot of people's eyes to that too, to live, live, life, don't forget to live. Yeah. Life is short. You remember before the pandemic, like your job, you take all kinds of abuse from your job. And yeah. now all these jobs that were abusing people, they're like, we don't have enough people. Right. We'll let you work from home. That's okay. Yeah. People are, because people are saying, you know, I'm taking my life back. Yeah. Oh, there were a few things we did not too good, you know, with the money and stuff. But the bottom line is it taught people their worth. They they That's got true. with their families. You know, my brother-in-law was uh, the, the trumpeter for uh, Tower of Power. And he came home and he spent the pandemic with his wife, his arm around his wife, with his dog watching movies. And he retired. Called him up and said, I'm going to come back. Man. It was too hard, too rough. It was a dream, but sometimes the dream can be pretty ragged, be kind of hard on you. And he just said, I'm not going back. I want to, I have, I'm fine. I'm good. I can make this work. I'm staying home with my arm around my wife and my dog on my lap. And people began to see what life is really, really means to them. And that, in that way, the pandemic was good. Unfortunately, I'm sorry it took a pandemic to do it because we lost a lot of good people to the pandemic. Yeah, we did. And, uh, and that's rough. So yeah, COVID is still out there. Don't, 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 uh, don't take it lightly. <laughs> My husband didn't wear a mask and I said, why should I, I'm going to get it anyway. And we did. So yeah. the good news is we got it together. The bad news is it was kind of a rough ride. So, so I was like, wow, this new strain is not playing. So I was glad it was gone. I'm glad it's gone. And I don't and I'm glad be- you're feeling about, you know, you're on the mend now. I just don't want anyone else to, I would really love yeah. to get it to where you guys don't get it. Nobody gets it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to ignore it. I just would like to, to make it so that you can have something that keeps it at bay. Cause it, it's just so terrible. It is it's such a drag. Yeah. You know, every time we have a 4th of July celebration, the numbers go up and it's like, really? Yeah. Not fair, you know. Gosh, it's been uh, great to talk to you guys tonight. Yeah. Um. So, Nikki, tell me come... about your your grumpy travels. I I can't <laughs> help it. Grumpy <laughs> travels. Whatever it is, I read about it, and I'm like, I got. I don't know what that even is. And Nikki, uh, why don't you plug your uh, favorite grumpy travels for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, favorite grumpy travels is our travel agency. Um. Favorite Grampy is actually my father, and I think you would absolutely love him. I'd love to introduce him or bring him on next time you're on because I, I think I would you guys love it. would. He's adorable. I've seen the photos. He's, he's oh my he's, gosh, guys are so cute. So, um, so what makes a Grampy travel then? Because it's okay. ba- named after your dad. Yes. So, is it a special kind of travel based on what he likes or? No. Well, so it started out as a blog. He was kind of a, he's everyone's adopted grandfather, but whenever any kids would come over to his house, his whole backyard is just full of magical things. Mm. There are swing sets and sandboxes and he places all these little creatures out in the woods. Mm. And then he would do um, 
a magical quest at night and we'd gather around the fire and he'd throw these special pixie dust into the fire and make it change colors and he'd tell his stories and take them around the woods and hide treasures and and so he was always always about making memories um and so he had a blog about making memories with their grandkids and spending that time with them and what uh black and white horror movies you should stay up late and watch and why you should feed chocolate cake to your kids for breakfast and how to live right um and so we spun that off into a travel agency because that's and it's all about making memories together and doing experiences over stuff yeah that's what launched yeah that's what launched our agency and we've helped thousands of families all over america um make memories not just disney well disney is our big uh bread and butter but we also do Cruises, tropical vacations, multi-generational trips to Europe, anything, um, you know, to help help that family bond and, and make That's those memories awesome. together. He sounds like Walt Disney. <laughs> I think he'd you like know, Walt too. Yeah. He's got his own little Disneyland happening over there. Yeah, he worked his for version. Disney for yeah. a while in the 90s. I didn't know that. So yeah, he fit in, he fit in pretty well. Yeah, and he's the one do? that, him and my mom Disney? sparked our love for Disney. Wow. Yeah, it's all our fault. It's so true. It's so true. Like, bring back Monsanto, please, Lord. Bring back Monsanto. Oh, loved Monsanto. You know, gosh, I just love that ride. And, yeah. and I miss it so much. So um, my very first job as a sculptor for Imagineering was the vomit seat for Star Tours. I read that. I was like, how, is it going to be appropriate for me to ask her this question? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know and if I your listeners kids, would love it. At oh, dinner time. God. I told the kids, I was like, okay, hey guys, you're going to have to be quiet because I'm going on this podcast tonight. And like, who are you talking to? And I was like, it's the lady. She designed the seats at Star Tours because everyone would throw up and she had to design them to try to catch the vomit. The kids would go, <laughs> I love that. That's so yeah, cool, that's mom. So cool. <laughs> I make slumber. Yeah. I mean, seriously, what happened was that I my quest was to get in the sculpture department, and I eventually did it with the rabbit. The rabbit was my ticket into the sculpture department, and I was at Blaine Gibson's desk. So Blaine, my hero, finally got to meet him, and he told me I was a brilliant sculptor. I just keep playing that over and over in my head. Terry, your work is exquisite. You're a brilliant sculptor. And I just went, you know, <laughs> but here I am sitting at his desk. Here I am finally where I want to be as an Imagineer. My last, I'd say, probably five years was there. And uh, I was waiting for my first project. And my my boss said, you know, while you wait for the first project to come down the pike, uh, why don't you look through the notebooks that are here? And it's all Blaine Gibson's art. It's all of the things that he did for Jungle Cruise. It's all of the things that he did. And I'm like, I got tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting at the man's desk and I'm looking through this. this. I'm just like, I can't even, I'm beaten like a rabbit because there's maquettes of Pirates of the Caribbean all around me and just everything. Mr. Lincoln, everything is around me. And um, and people would come through. When you were a new Imagineer, you would go on a walking tour and they would introduce you to the various facets of Disney Imagineering and Walt Disney Pictures. So these groups would come through and they soon learned that I am a <laughs> storyteller and talker. So they always made sure to stop by my desk. And so the group came. And so weeks later, I get this project. They go, Terry, we need you to do this seat for Star Tours. And I go, what? And they go, yeah, the problem is that the seats that we made are made of foam, like a couch. 
So the problem was if someone got sick, it went through the corduroy covering and into this this seat, very unsanitary because they could not peel it off. They could not take it off. So they had to disinfect it as best they could and pat it. But, you know, it's still wet and disgusting. And then yeah. they're putting up, up. They said it's just wrong. So we need you to do a polyfoam seat, which means that we're going to do a two part foam. It's going to go into the mold. Once the sculpture happens, they take a mold and then they put a two part and then they can put that in there and then wipe it clean because it's closed cell. Y'all follow me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the shop talk. But it, it was great. They could just take a sponge and boop, boop, boop once you're done, Terry. So I'm sculpting in and it's got to have channels so that it goes all to the middle, you know. And here come these happy Imagineers, Imagineers, Walt Disney people learning about the sculpture department. What are you doing today, Terry? I'd rather not say. <laughs> come on, what are you doing? I really don't think we should discuss it today. Oh, no, come on, come on. And I'm like, oh. Fine. Right. You, you asked for it. Yeah. Here it comes. You haven't eaten. Anybody eaten? Okay. Step back if you've eaten. Uh, the vomit seat for Star Tours. What? Yeah, it's the vomit seat. And there I have it on my on my table. And I'm demonstrating. I'm just <laughs> around and saying, this is so the channels go. <laughs> Everybody was like, seriously? I was like, I told you to move along. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't listen to me. Yeah. It you was did hilarious. warn them. And, you know, it's funny because now people who know this, they'll sit and they go, I wonder, you know, they always wonder because now you still have the, you still have the covering, but because the seat is a poly foam, they can have it be there, wipe clean and keep it nice and sanitary. So the people coming in don't have to experience the yuckiness of the first time. And this all happens. This is why I say to people, um, you know, when you ride the ride the first time, sometimes improvements are good. Sometimes improvements are not so good. The park improvement. And I, I was, you know, I'm happy that I did it because man, when you, when they explained to me what was really going on, I was like, how fast can we get this done? So, you know, cause you guys obviously aren't closing the ride and Ooh. I close my eyes cause I get motion sick. So I have to close my eyes at certain time during these kind of motiony rides because I do get sick. And uh, not only could you get sick with, over others, but it ruins your whole day. Your stomach yeah, is up for the day. So so I had to be careful, you know. That's why I don't want to be the pilot because uh, I just can't. But being the gunner is so much fun that I just love doing that. So I always ask to be the gunner. You look at the other, like, I wonder if they use that same technology or stuff that you did back then on those other attractions that people might get. I think so. I think they know it's got to be a two-part something in order for people because it would be ridiculous just to use something like in a couch. Right. That would be terribly lazy. And especially now with people worrying about, you know, people breathing on each other. Germs. Bad. So yeah. yeah, there's so many people. I mean, I used to drink from a garden hose, man, and mm -hmm. eat dog bones with my dog. Now water's <laughs> It's like, who came up with that idea? Can't do any of that today. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You know? I'm like, I didn't usually get, you know, I don't drink bottled water. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of weird to me that, you know, I think it's a, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. But with me, it was my garden hose. I wait for the garden hose taste to get out of the garden hose, that rubber taste, you know, that hot, warm rubber taste and wait for it to be cold water, drink from it, sit down with my dog and have milk bone dog biscuits, you know, because my dog and I were best friends. So we shared a snack together. <laughs> you know people tell That's what me best friends do people food isn't good for your dog so i said okay i'll eat the dog food then it's good for you for humans i don't know 
Yeah. My dad would like, are you eating milk bone dog biscuits? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Lassie's favorite, you know, whatever, you know, so you, 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 kids are so creative and fun. And, and that's why I like think Disney people are so wonderful because they are attached with their inner child. And that's not the, the spoiled child. That's the child that makes, gives them joy out of things that are fun, simple, and special. Mm -hmm. They still see that the amazement. Yeah. Like mouse ears. Mm -hmm. My gosh. And popcorn buckets. Good grief. (laughs) Yeah. Some popcorn buckets that aren't even popcorn buckets. You guys get all crazy. Right. There's like five. You can fit five little They're pieces so in there. Small. I just yeah. men's butt. I know. Why is this a popcorn bucket? Am I asking the wrong question? Yeah. <laughs> that was, and I remember one year they did um, a fry bucket. They did the Millennium Falcon as a fry bucket and Grampy got it. But you had that. to like turn it upside down in order to get the fries inside. It was ridiculous. I just saw yesterday they had a candy corn bucket with Donald, but it's literally like Oh, I think that's a sipper. Is it a sipper? Yeah, that one's a sipper. Oh, it's a sipper? Mm-hmm. That's a sipper. Oh, well, it looks like no, a but, the, the... but it's still very small. It's like yeah, maybe yeah. It holds like four ounces. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the one thing Good that doesn't drink is the price. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but it's so 50 cute. bucks, 40 bucks. Yep. Huh. That's where so they get crazy. you. <laughs> I sit there and go, this is just so crazy. Yeah. You know? Let me do so- it. Because so one of the I sculpt a lot of Disney art is because I they 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 uh mm-hmm. it helps them to see what fans like and then right. they'll do it and fans win. You know, yeah. I, I'm hoping, you know, I spoke with a guy who said he was in charge of the toy division with Imagineering, and I was like, Well, are you gonna do some cool stuff now? <laughs> and he was like, I said, I don't know how else to say it, but to ask you the stuff before has not been good, which is why, you know, when people ask me to do something, I do it because uh, they want heirloom quality stuff that doesn't right. cost an heirloom quality price. Exactly. And Disney mm-hmm. can do that. Yeah. I did uh, Tinkerbell tiptoeing across the map. I don't know if I can find her, but I did that for Disney. And, um, and it was so special. It was so loved. It was 2,600 pieces of this lovely um lady that I did for Disney and I did it because I wanted Disney to be able to um I'm trying to see if I can find her um I wanted people to be able to collect something that didn't cost an arm and a leg but was heirloom quality when she was presented she was $75 you and because there were so many of her 75 bucks there were people that were able to speak with me at the gallery and their question was for a first sculpture, why are there so many, you know, there's supposed to be 2,100. I think that's an awful big addition for your first sculpture. And I smiled at them and said, it's not my first sculpture. It's my fifth. And they were like, what? Here she is. Oh, but this is Tinkerbell tiptoeing across the map. Now I had to explain to them what the black was on the map because her toes, that's her footprints were in charge and not seen Peter Pan and work for Disney. Uh, So I had to have an agent between me and them, but this is still available. (laughs) You can find this on eBay, eBay and things like that. And if you can find it unsigned for a round um a hundred 150 that's a good price for her but if i sign it um she's worth about 300 now 
And if you get Margaret Carey, the model for Tinkerbell signing the other side, those are really rare. We were at a candlelight event at Disneyland when the uh, cast members found about, I'd say 30 or 40 of them. And I was with Margaret and we just started signing them for people. And so that's the rarest is to have Margaret's signature on one and signature on the other. So if you find it, Margaret often does appearances um, at the Disney Anna Fan Club. Y'all know the Disney Anna Fan Club? Yes. Yeah, they're having an event in October. That is the most fun collectors, collectors selling to collectors. It's the most fun you're ever going to have as a Disney person because it's Disney collectors who who love Disney collectors and love Disney people. Mm. So it's just like a big... Disney party. They have it over there at the um, Sounds like fun. Oh, it's really cool. Oh, and yeah. on Sundays it's a it's a show and sale that's free. Oh, cool. So you go in and you get to see all these cool things that people yeah. make and do and all kinds of fun stuff to do. And uh uh it's my it's it's just a great place for you to kind of be with friends and make more friends and and see people that you admire. A lot of us are there, Margaret's there, I'm there. Um Last last time we had uh, Willie Ito. We had uh, who is of course a legend. Bob, nah, I don't think Bob Kerr was there, but we had all kinds of people. Kevin and Jody, all kinds of people there. People that you go to that D twenty three thing, which is really a bad convention, and <laughs> you're paying a lot of money, and then you're not getting in to see what you want to see. You can go to the Disney and a fan club and sit across from these people. True story. Actually, have coffee with these people. Same people that you're seeing from the stage. Tony Baxter walks the halls. I mean, I tell people, don't waste your money on D23. D23 is something that they think they're doing right, that they're not. The last one was absolutely embarrassing. I was like, come on, come on. You know, but again. More of an experience with the Disneyana. Disneyana. Well, Disneyana is Disney people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, last last D23, it was all commercial. Mm -hmm. If you walked through and saw the stuff, it was mostly POPs or whatever you call those. Yeah. It was a lot of commercial stuff you could buy off the shelf. It was one of the worst, um, you know, things to collect show. And then poor Kevin and Jody doing my dragon and then people walking up asking me to sign that awful thing. Um, It was just so sad. But what it tells me is I need to sculpt my own and shut up. So (laughs) stop dissing Kevin and Jody and get off my bum and make my own. You haven't made a dragon sculpture yet? I haven't done a small one. And everybody asked me for it, you know? Yeah. So I said, I got to get on that. Yeah. And when I saw Kevin and Jody's done in three parts, I was like, why three parts? You know, but when you work for the company, especially in um, product development, they put a lot of restrictions on you. So you can't really make it yours. Kevin and Jody are amazing. If left to their own devices, they would have never made that thing. But unfortunately, they have to answer to worried people. So that's what I think happened with that piece. But that's usually what makes me very upset. And I go, okay, I got to do my own. Let me get that done. You know, so I thought I thought it was a really strong message. A lot of people asking me, what did I think about it? I think I think it's awful, but I need to put my money where my mouth is and sculpt the stupid thing. What's the matter with me? Yeah. But I said chess set first. Mm-hmm. Let's get this chess set for October because yeah. I promised Rolly. I promised him this year. And uh, I'll get that going, get that out, get to find exciting. out. That's exciting you know, to yeah. You know, How many people want to do it? Yeah. How many people actually want the big one? Because I can't until I have an actual price. I can't really. Um, 
I can't really figure out if it's going to be five or 10 people. It's probably going to be limited to five or 10 because wow. I, I, it might be more, but it's, it's definitely an event, an investment to have the full chess set. It's, it's just, everything is hand done. It's just going to be, it's going to be something. And, oh, we all got to keep an eye out on when that, but the six, I think the six is going to be very comparably priced, you know, get one of six, put it on your shelf for a display. Cause let's face it. Many of you won't play chess with it anyway. So just go up there and that way you have your example of the museum. Right. The yeah. It's an art piece. Really? Yeah. You yeah. can just show that. Tell display. the story. Yeah. And tell the story of it. It's your little part of Rolly. It's the only time Rolly is going to have a three dimensional um, set full set. Cause he never did a full set himself. Um, and when he did, it was quick and dirty to show Walt why the Haunted Mansion should be scary because he went home thinking it should be fun and joyful and silly. And he had nightmares after seeing Rolly's sculptures and came back and punched him in the shoulder and said, damn you, I got no sleep. I guess we should make the Haunted Mansion scary because I, I couldn't sleep. And so that's how it became scary. And it's one of the most popular attractions at the parks. Yeah. yeah. So, one of my favorites. Yeah. Sure. Bless you, Rolly. And what's nice is that they did exactly what I think they should continue to do with Disneyland which has made it so we got the bride in there. I love the bride. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. she's just she's fabulous. Like and so many people love that hat box ghost, mm -hmm. you know, but I love the bride. I just love traveling down and her going, tell death, do us part. It's just hilarious. <laughs> it's just so I wonderful. I that every time we go on the ride. <laughs> I love it. I just think she's fabulous. Yeah. You know, it's seriously twisted. <laughs> but it's twisted in a Disney way. So I love that. Yeah. You know, that's the problem with Disney wants everything to be happy. And life isn't always happy. And without sadness, you can't really be happy. You know, Stitch, looking at that book that happens to be mm -hmm. the Ugly Duckling, which is the one my mother gave me because I felt like the Ugly Duckling. Oh. And my mom would tell me, just hold tight, Terry. You'll be a beautiful swan, you know. And so it had great significance to me and to see poor Stitch being as sad as I was. That meant a lot to go there. My favorite movie is Bambi and Bambi's mother dying. Horrible, painful. But then when he stands up there with his father, the king of the forest, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so you, rising above the ashes is sometimes necessary, but to make people believe that everything is awesome without the, the bitter makes sweet, sweet. And that's important. Peaks and valleys are necessary, not necessarily loved. Yeah, it's all, it's unrealistic to always be, you know, have the happiness there. You want to feel. You need to. You don't want a movie where you don't feel and you don't care. It wastes your time. It does. And we all have those pains in our lives. And by having those in the movies, we relate to that and it speaks to us. A Disney movie that's not a Disney movie that's my favorite. And we all talk about it in the tribe is the Kung Fu Panda. Because the poor Kung Fu Panda, it's his dream. And he puts up with a lot of crap. And finally, when Sifu tell, asks him, why didn't you quit? He says, because my life sucked more than all of the stuff that you did to me. The beatings, the nastiness, the bullying. He doesn't say it like that, but that's what we're hearing. And we feel bad. We think that they should feel bad because they were really having a good time at his expense. And then he says, but I wanted this. I needed this. I wanted. So I stayed. 
Yeah. And then he rises about it and becomes, you know, uh, I'm not a big fat panda. I'm the big fat panda. <laughs> that is something that people should say to themselves if they've ever been bullied. You know, I'm not a Phyllis Diller. I'm the Phyllis Diller. You know, right. it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible if you just turn it around and believe that you can do and you fight for what your dream is. It's not enough just to believe in today's world, you got to step up and fight for it. You do. Are you worthy? God will step on you an awful lot and ask you if you're going to get up. You going to stay there? How important is this to you? You getting up or are you laying down there in the dust? And we all get kicked and we all get stomped. All of us, even what we think is the beautiful people in their life is paved with gold. It's not. They have the same problems. My sister was so beautiful. Men had eating disorders. I used to follow her. They could not get the fork in their mouth when they looked at my sister. The fork went in their eye. The fork went in their chin. The fork, they dribbled and drooled because they looked at my sister and they became com completely dysfunctional. And I used to smile at them and go, don't feel bad. It happens to the best of you guys. <laughs> yeah so i'm you know again i could stay and talk to you for like days i know i keep wonderful. pushing you into the like, you guys are almost no, at you know, no but i'm having this is fun but you know i do you know we do want to be mindful of your time um but i just before we do leave and i close out i just want to know if you can um plug your new book i hear you have a a new book coming out yeah i trip uh, yeah can you tell us a little and bit all of a sudden we have books or? Okay, so the first book I did, somebody challenged me to write a book about myself in three weeks, in two weeks, and I did mm -hmm. it in three. So I'm not that great, but uh, but I did it in three weeks, and people actually read it, and uh, I'm getting ready to rewrite it. But I have a friend who's an author. She's an amazing author. Her name is Lynette Eklund, and she's going through this thing about wanting publishers to publish her work, and I'm like, that is not the way you do books nowadays. But she won't listen to me. So now I'm trying to help her to understand the importance of either hybrid publishing or self-publishing. Guys, this is so important. Why should somebody tell you if your book is good or not? I really feel this way. I think she's a brilliant author, but they just don't get her. They're too uh, tunnel vision minded as far as her books are concerned. I don't read fiction, so I've never read her books, but I hear from people who have that really like it. But these people go, I don't know where to put you. I don't know. You know, the agents go, I don't know. It's like an actress, you know, forget it. Just get with someone and publish it. But she wouldn't do it. So I came up with this idea of saying, why don't we do a book together? So about around the pandemic, I think it was, we did a book called Giggling Pumpkins. She wrote it. I illustrated it. Giggling Pumpkins, the book. I don't know if I have any pictures of it here. But now we've got a new one coming out. Hopefully Halloween. Keep your fingers crossed. We're praying. Um, called Whispering Corn. Um, so she's decided to create the series. Because the first time we did. So, so when I told you to be of service, here's how I did it with my friend. My friend who is sure that as an author, she knew more than me. And she was probably correct. But I also know that if you publish your own book or you publish, you 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 do it with thought process, you get 70% of the profits instead of giving it to a publisher. Okay, yes, they do a lot, but you end up with like $7 on the book that may cost 35. It's just, it's just not right. So now if you publish with someone helping you, you can do it as a team. 
So I said to her, let's do this book. You write a children's story. Let's do a children's book. Simple, easy, write a children's story. I'll illustrate it. We did a book called Giggling Pumpkins and Giggling Pumpkins is about uh, pumpkin fairies who distribute pumpkins during Halloween. It's really cute and special and wonderful. And I am the illustrator. Now, what's weird about it is she wanted to paint all my illustrations. So I did the black and white line art, but I'm the illustrator. She wrote it. She painted it. Then she said to me, she wanted to order 150 books. Well, I can sell 150 books in a minute. So I said, no, that's too few. So we picked a number much more over 150. And within four months, we were in the black and she became a believer. She watched what I did, how I pre-sold it, how I shared it on social media. She's not a real fan of doing social media, but you know, these artists who want you to, you know, lift every rock and find them and won't just do social media. I don't understand it, but anyway, I digress. So this book becomes a huge hit. It becomes very special. People love books. We still sell it every time I do pumpkin sculpting. I sell 10, 15 copies. You know, it's been out for a long time. So now we have a new one called Whispering Corn about corn trolls. And it's really fun, sweet, cute. It's the companion to the other one. And uh, hopefully we will know in, um, let's see, it's August. Hopefully in September, we'll be able to launch it in October. Maybe have to wait till November. It's really this is her book. And I keep saying, this is your book now that you know how this works. And once you could show a person and she saw what we did mm -hmm. and the book was $23.99. And what I did is if we were in a personal, like you came and saw me, I would give it to you for 20. So if you had a $20 bill, you got it for 20, you save that money and you also save that tax. So that's what I did. And I showed her how magical this is. Mm. If you did quantities, I gave you some sort of, you know, because the more you order, the less they are, blah, 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 blah. Print on demand really doesn't work. And it's crappy. You want the book to be elegant. And that's what I told her. So the first book, very elegant. And now the second book is very elegant. And uh, so it's called Whispering Corn. Uh, you can go to terryharden.com and we will be having it up there. You can see the book on terryharden.com, the one that we did. We haven't released pictures yet because we're still in the process of getting it printed up. But then later on, we're going to start uh, offering some figures that come from that book. Both books will have little figurines that you can purchase. And we've had a lot of people ask us if there's little figurines. We also have all my original art because it's all hand-drawn and hand-painted. So uh, it takes a while for us to create this book. But uh, what it's doing for her is showing her that uh, if you do it the right way, you too can do a book and take the money from it. This is another thing I talk to people about on Patreon. I'll have artists who don't want to do, let's say, uh, uh, prints of their work. So in other words, you know how they have a really, you have something really beautiful. Maybe you're a photographer, you're a painter, you're a sculptor, and you do a print of it or whatever. And you feel, some artists feel like when a person flips through the prints that it's like flipping through your rib cage and they don't like it. So I show you how to make a little book. And this, they take with you and have their art with you and you do it at a certain price point and that way they buy it if they can't afford your work at the time they're you're, you're it's better than a business card it actually goes with you no matter what you do if you have children and you're getting tired of flipping through that phone trying to find that flipping photo <laughs> let me give you something very special it's called photo books have you heard of this mm -hmm. 
There's photo prints, a book every month. You just, just put those pictures in there and make a book and put it on yourself. And then you can flip through it and show people pictures of your child, pictures of a special event, pictures of something special. And you don't have to be flipping through your phone. It really, we, we do this with every little trip that we do. And it's really nice to just have them on the shelf and not have to be, where is that picture again? Yeah. Oh, reliant on technology. Just you have well, it. Exactly. And, and I'm somebody who just can't stand technology. I have to be yeah. honest with you. It's yeah. really hard on me. Yeah. I have every day is is it's challenge to do what I do on social media because I would rather not. I would rather be under a hot light and sculpt and be left alone. But that's not the world today. Mm. If you're going to want to sell something, you need to get out there and talk to people and to be genuine and authentic about it. Y'all know this. You guys have a podcast. I don't even know how you do it. Everyone's like, Terry, you should do a podcast. <laughs> Terry, you should do a podcast. And then I talk to you guys and you go, no, no, no. <laughs> It's a lot of work, baby. You better love it. Don't just do it because you think there's <laughs> big money or big fame or invitation. No, no, no. You better think. And so I said, no, I don't want to do a podcast. I just want to talk to myself on camera Mondays and Fridays and hopefully someone's listening and then That's go from right. here. Yeah. And you get to yeah. be on our podcast. So there you go. Yeah. And I love being on them. And yeah. love meeting people like y'all and then telling people, if you want to learn about art or you want to, my patrons have a, a chance to pick what I'm going to sculpt next or make suggestions, you know, and stuff like that. And then, you know, my YouTube channel has maybe 300 and a gnat and a donkey and maybe a, a stink bug or something, but I don't care. You know, they're good people. They're all wonderful people. The bugs are listening to, and that's fine. <laughs> I know there's something in a thousand in YouTube that means something, but I'll get there or I won't get there. I right. basically just want to be there for the people that tune in every time. And, and I'm not, I've never been a numbers person. So I just want to talk to those that need to talk to for during the pandemic, I would talk for eight hours on a Friday, yeah. eight the whole day, wow. because people were missing Disney so bad that they thought they were going to take their lives. Yep. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. They would actually say it. And I was like, I can't have that. So I would just stay on for as long as there were questions, I'd stay on. And my husband would go, gee, many Christmas, <laughs> you know, you're not getting paid for this. I go, yeah, but I'm keeping someone from doing something stupid. You know, so why not? And so now I'm trying to make it less, but sometimes people, if there's a hurt, yeah, that's what I try to say that, you know, I'm on Patreon and I'm talking to people and I go, sometimes the money isn't what you'd be thinking about. Right. You got to think about the people, you know, and what they need. And I got people, sometimes they're hurting, you know, I had a family who, whose cousin was murdered uh, and they, they got to talk about it. How do you talk about this? How do you talk about this and not have some lame person on a public channel say something snarky? Yeah. You get behind the doors and you do it on my page and we all talk to you and we try to support you. So it's all kinds of things that we, that we do there. It's very different from most Patreon pages. I, I tell people about it and they go, huh? well, what do you give them? I give them my time yeah. and, and that's what they want. So that's what I give them. Yeah. So well, I think you're, I think you're wonderful. And, you know, I just wanted to, we want it. We want to thank you so yes. much. Well, I or, love you guys. You know, and and again, know. like we have to have you on like another yeah. episode because yeah. so there's so questions. many things that we didn't touch and that I want to talk about. But Well, and this is what I said to Barry. I said, time. Barry, don't, I'm not going to tell you what you want to know. You tell me what you want to know and I'll let you know if it's, you know, as long as it's not something obscene or mean. Right. You guys are you're felt- Disney people. You're never going to ask me something yeah. that, that, you know what I mean? So, um, 
But I just love how you're an open book. Like you just I just want to help you guys get further. You guys are so wonderful. Disney people are a wonderful group of people. <laughs> they don't, they don't, well, I guess some do. There's every once in a while you get a whack doodle. But I mean, every group has a whack doodle. Someone who thinks they're a Disney person and then they gotta destroy or destruct or to be mean. And you go, sorry guys, that's not the Disney way. You need to go back to class. So so this was the main thing I wanted. I don't want people, Disney people to feel bad because they collect with passion. And uh, I don't like the way Disney's putting out product like a Millennium Falcon that holds two pieces of popcorn. <laughs> I looked at that and said, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, give me a flipping break. <laughs> and then I saw the hitchhiking ghost ones. And I'm like, they say, well, they hold beignets. I go, where? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all yucky with, Oh, come on. You know, so I don't, I still, I don't follow the popcorn bucket. And I tell people, you're going to have to decide between whether you want a popcorn bucket or you want art. And that's what happened during the pandemic. Many people yeah. said, I think I'm going to, I'm going to start collecting art yeah. from Disney. I'm going to save my money up, not do 50 million popcorn buckets unless I really love them. And then I'm going to collect art. And, um, Pieces that I do can run a couple hundred dollars each, but I only do 50 pieces. So it's something that is autographed by me and has a certificate of authenticity, comes in a cool box, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to make sure you guys have art that you can pass down to your kids and yeah. uh, things like that. So that's why I do it. And uh, and it's such a great investment. You know, it's, it is, it is. And a lot of people, I'll tell you, if you look at Van Eaton, a lot of times Van Eaton will put up stuff I did for Disney. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I did the, the, there, I did 10 of the organ master at the organ for Disney. And there was one on sale for like a thousand bucks at Van Eaton. And I was like, dude, if you can get that for a thousand bucks, you buy that puppy because we sold it for two at Disney. So if it has my name on it, you can call me up and go, what did it sell for? What's it worth? Grab it. Because I did a Maleficent also. And people always hunt for this Maleficent. And they can't find her. And I tell you, if you can find her, she's going to run about $175. If she's lower than that, grab it. If they're broken and you got a good deal and you know me with your family now, <laughs> you reach out to me and you say, what's it going to cost to fix this thing? Yeah. because seriously i will repair it like it never was broken so wow. it doesn't have value but it has to be repaired by me my art repaired by me so of this course. is what i tell people anyone who collects me if it breaks if it you know collect the pieces cry over it but then reach out to me you know i just had a guy who had that tinkerbell i showed you and her finger was broken and the guy wrapped her hand up on ebay so you oh. couldn't see it and then put it in the background. So when he bought it, he said, her finger's missing. I go, well, send it to me. Mm -hmm. I fixed it. You know, I have a team of four people and we, we, all of us can do all different kinds of things. I've got two painters, a mold maker, and then I'm the sole sculptor, which is why my stuff is rare and why a lot of people don't. Some people know about me. Some people don't, right. but I'm a really good secret. And the stuff really does so well because people know that uh, it's always going to be quality and it's always going to be, you had a hand in it. My kinetic Oswald the Lucky Rabbit sold out in New York Minute. Why? Because I talked to Oswaldians. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I talked to people who knew Oswald. I didn't know Oswald. I can't know every character. This is what people need to realize at Disney. You cannot know every character. There's too many. So why not talk to the people who they love this character? You know, people who love Tinkerbell, people who love Oswald, people who love Hercules. I have no idea why, but they do. So if they love Hercules, this is not me to say, I really thought that wasn't a good movie. Why did you love it? And then they helped me because Mickey Mouse, I'm going to confess to all y'all right now. Mickey Mouse is not my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Minnie Mouse is not my favorite character. I'm not really fans of theirs, but I did a beautiful sculpture, one of a kind of Mickey and Minnie in love. But the way I could do it was because I talked to a woman who adores them. I just kept hearing her stories. What is it about them that are special? That's how the sculpture comes to life is talking to you guys. Why? Because my favorite character is Tigger. I've been called Tigger since I was two. Mm-hmm. And you can see why the energy is this there. Yeah. So so I know I love Tigger. I everything about Tigger. And um and so I know you guys know that about the character that you love most. And so mine is not to judge, but to learn about it from you. So when you all told me, I mean, I had, I went to uh, Trader Sam's and there were about 20 people there that were love Oswald. And I just had them tell me stories about why Oswald. Tell me about Oswald. I don't understand Oswald. I didn't, I can't know everything. So they all told me about it. And uh, I made the cutest little sculpture of him and it just disappeared. And so it's not rocket science. If you want to do something, Disney, all you have to do is ask the people who love it. Don't shun the people who love Disney. Include the people who love Disney. Walt did. Are you better than Walt? Some people think they are, I think. But if you're better than Walt Disney, I mean, Walt Disney had an advisory committee in each, every park he advised that you have an advisory committee of collectors, just like you, people who love Disney, just like you. So you he could have a hand on the pulse of what you all love. And then when he passed, other people said they don't need that. And it's the stupidest thing I've heard because it's such an easy way to fix the park is to ask you guys. I don't know why other artists don't do it. I don't know why, you know, artists that are doing stuff and they don't know why their stuff isn't selling because they don't ask. I've got to be honest with you. Those, what are they called? Those, those ones that were Mickey that look like, gosh, I can't remember. Vinylmations. What the heck are Vinylmations? <laughs> Did they ever ask anybody about Vinylmations? Cause I sit there and I go, what the heck are these? Yeah. You don't <laughs> see them around anymore. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> So again, we just want to thank you for, um, you know, uh, coming onto our show. Um, we've all had, this is just so much fun. So now where are y'all based? I know you're back East. So Teresa and I, Teresa Marie and I, (laughs) or I'm actually 10 minutes from magic kingdom. Awesome. In Orlando. Yeah. 10 minutes from universal. (laughs) Florida. But originally (laughs) from New York, we're both from New York. Yeah. Yeah. But you're living, you're living near the park, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Nikki? Same. I'm in Winter Garden. I'm right next to oh, Magic gosh, Kingdom, too. Yeah. 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 Neighbors. Yeah. And Matt? I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey? I love New Jersey. Yeah. Really if you're ever in Orlando, let us know. Yeah. Will, I will. My husband together. doesn't want me to go there because he's nervous about Florida right now. But, uh, yeah. But uh, but all my friends are there. So I said, we'll go. We'll go there. Like there's a thing happening in November 
that a guy named uh, Jim Van Austenbridge, he does a uh, unbirthday party. And it's usually in that um, your your version of uh, what's it, Disney Springs? What do you call mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Disney yeah. Springs. I always try to remember because you change in it. I think you guys change it back and forth. <laughs> I but Disney Springs has like a has a theater there that has a big auditorium and he usually invites people to come and speak to um, special guests. So he's talking about having me do that at some point. I don't know if it'll yeah. be this year, but if it happens, then I'll reach out to y'all and yeah, feel free, awesome. like like Nikki did, find me, friend me, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know if it was going to be her, if it was going to be a group, and and I I love new people and everybody. So so please don't hesitate. Um, any viewer that has a question, all you do is Google me, and you can find out how to reach out to me, how to write to me, how to ask a question, you know, and usually I'll answer most stuff. In In the early days of fa- Facebook, you used to get those marriage proposals, used to drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. So I have a personal assistant named Gary and he usually comes on and says, if you can't be appropriate, we're going to have to block you. <laughs> so he'll just, he just takes care of it. But I haven't had that problem because Facebook does it. Mm-hmm. You know, now Facebook kind of does it before you even have to worry about stuff like that now, which I am very appreciative to to everyone who does that. So, so those who mastered the podcast to all of you, my hat, which I'm not wearing is off to you because man, I don't know how you guys do it. Um, it's just me talking. People go, why don't you interview someone? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do this. I love, I love being on this podcast. It's, you guys are great. I love it that you're a team, that you're all we together. Are. Helping each we other. are a team. We're loving it. And we love, you know, and Barry told me it's, it's girls month, right? It's ladies month. Yeah. It's, I think year, it's great. So. I really, really appreciate it. Really, yeah. really do. You know, because yeah. um, sometimes if I don't just shout it from a mountaintop, they, people forget. And I, I sit here and say to myself, I just want people to be, I want to help you guys get to where I was. Otherwise, it doesn't yeah. mean much. You know, I well, made thank you mark. for sharing your stories. Yeah, oh, you're you. welcome. You're welcome. And there's more where that came from. Feel free to read and check and call me back if you want when you're bored. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. All right. I got to get you out yeah. before midnight. All right. I'll feel yeah. I can talk to you past then, but we, you know, I did that to Australia. That was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, we want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Sharing the Magic. You can find out more information on our magical guest and legendary Imagineer, Terry Harden, by visiting her website, terryharden.com, on Instagram at Terry Harden Legend. And she also invites you to visit her Patreon page, Terry's Tribe, www.patreon.com forward slash Terry Harden. As always, please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes and tell your friends to tune in to wherever they listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. Until next time, keep sharing the magic.
We are not an affiliate of the Walt Disney Company, nor do we speak for the brand or the company. Any and all Disney-owned audio clips, likeness, and characters are their property and theirs alone.